are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is not here. Uh, Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss the movies weekly. However, every now and then we have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something completely different, and this is one of our fun commentaries. This is our June 2018 commentary track, uh, Jurassic June, as I'm referring to it as, because we are talking Jurassic Park uh, in honor of the upcoming Jurassic World colon Fallen Kingdom the fifth film in the franchise, we're going to go back and talk about the first film in the popular dinosaur-themed franchise, which is our first Spielberg film, weirdly enough, which is, I did not think, <laughs> it's its weird to think that, but the, for all the commentaries we've done, we haven't done a Spielberg film yet. But anyway, joining us to discuss Jurassic Park, we have, from Why So Blue and the Cult Cinema Cavalcade podcast, hold on to your butts, it's Brandon Peters. Looking forward to some Westworld Dinosaur Island. Also joining us from Forbes, he spared no expense to be here, it's Scott Mendelson. Greetings, always a pleasure. Glad to be back. All right. Well, welcome to Jurassic Park, guys. We are going to get into this movie, and this should be a lot of fun. Um, and it's a nice... We've done some longer movies, basically. So like, this is a nice... It's a good two hours, right? We'll get this mm -hmm. going. We'll get in and out. Probably a lot to talk about. It'll be fun. For those uh, that aren't familiar with our commentary tracks, basically, uh, Scott, Brandon, and I are going to talk over the film, which is on mute, um, so you can hear our thoughts on it, uh, and yeah, we're gonna basically count, we have the movie all synchronized, we're gonna count down from three, and it's on the sound of go, we're gonna press play to start talking, so if you're following along with us, if you're actually watching the movie and listening to us, first off, cool, that's great, um, and second, uh, you know, you'll just wait for that sound to go, and then you'll be able to like, kind of listen along, if you're not, if you're just driving around somewhere, and you listen to a podcast, and you're like, let me try this Jurassic Park commentary, you're good, you just, you sit there, you be on your drive, or on your treadmill, whatever, you listen to us talk about it. we're gonna just have a lot of thoughts to say, so yeah, I think we're good to go here, and yeah, you guys ready? Yep. I'm ready. Let's do this then, on the sound of go, three, two, one, go. We're really bouncing back here after uh, Lost in Space. I'll say that. Return of the Jedi and then Jurassic Park. Yeah, it's a wait. <laughs> uh, making up for it. Uh, it's fun. Fun news, not related to Jurassic Park. Deep Rise to get a special edition Blu-ray. So you know, if you haven't listened to our Deep Rising commentary yet, just know that you have the best Blu-ray possible to watch it with now. Uh, we called it. Yeah, we did. We got. We got the. We got. We drummed up excitement because of it. They, they asked us to do that to see if people were interested, and uh, it was a hit, yeah. the commentary. So they said, okay, we're doing it, but you guys won't be on it. Is this the... <laughs> I'm trying to... Are there other um, Spielberg films since this one that have that just standard, like, black black screen and title coming onto it? I'm trying to think if this might be, like, the last one. It mm. could be. Because I know Lost World doesn't. So Lost World is silly. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen Amazon in forever, so I can't think of that one, does it? Yeah. I remember, like, old Spiel older Spielberg films, they all, like, in movies in general, it'd be, like, black screen and then, you know, text and all the credits. Well, even his produced ones, like the Back to the Future. Yeah. And uh, does Poltergeist have that? Poltergeist does, and then it, like, goes to the... It's like Back yeah. to the Future, where, like, it starts... With... Anyway, this is a very Spielberg-y scene. <laughs> um... My my regards to this movie. I want to I want to hear what you guys think of Jurassic Park in general, um, and we'll obviously talk about plenty of things around it and the sequels and what have you. But the thing I like to say about Jurassic Park, it's my favorite movie that's not one of my favorite movies. Um, <laughs> by that I mean I've seen this movie countless times. I love it. Like it's great, but I've never considered it a favorite movie of mine. It's not one of my favorite Spielberg films. It's probably it's in the top ten I would say, but it's not it's not like 
it's one where I'm very aware of what issues I have with it, but I can't deny that it's just extremely entertaining and quotable and fun and there's great acting and there's great, obviously, the groundbreaking visual effects and whatnot. Like, there's so much greatness in this movie, but I still don't put it on my, my list of favorite movies. What do you guys think of Jurassic Park? Scott, where, where are you on Jurassic Park? Uh, I love it as popcorn entertainment. Um, it was the first summer that I was really following the box office. It was second, second or third summer. This was the first mega super, super mega hit where I was following week in, week out, how much money it was making, all that crap. Um, I saw it at an advanced night Thursday screening with my father. It was at 10 o'clock on Thursday. And this was back when you read reviews in the morning paper on Friday. Mm-hmm. So not only was it, oh, neat, we get to see the movie early, we had no idea it was going to be this good. He was coming, Spielberg was coming off a hook. Yeah. There were a lot of, <laughs> you know, is the era of Spielberg over type coverage of that film. Uh, it did well. You know, three hundred million on a seventy million dollar budget. It was not well received. It was, you know, that that film has issues, despite what your inner five year old says. Um, and you know, nobody knew the film was going to be that good. It was going to be that scary, and that the special effects were going to be this good, because the marketing campaign was excellent. Kept, <laughs> oh, it's great. The dinos off screen. Yeah. Mostly. Mostly. Um, it was it was that teaser of it was footage shot for just a teaser yeah, where a guy yeah, was yeah. digging in and he had the little um, a- amber with the butt the mosquito in it. Mm-hmm. Um, to my recollection, the only full blown dino shot that was in most of the previews was that iconic bit of the Tyrannosaurus knocking over the tree branch as it was chasing the jeep. You know, you'll know it when you see it. I'll point it out when the time comes. Other than that, you know. You know, it's it's it's. I don't think any of us were expecting this to be that much better than a you know a Harry Harryhausen type Dino adventure. Uh, that might be a slight overstatement. But, a little bit, I would say, for like uh, a big Spielberg movie. But yeah, go on. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's. So this was a film that I think took everyone by surprise. Um, and you know, we I saw it on Thursday night. I saw it again that Sunday night with my both my parents this time. And, you know, this was back when, you know, the movie was the first film to open with over $50 million. Uh, broke the record from Batman Returns. And back then, when a movie made $50 million on opening weekend, everybody saw it. Everybody you know saw it at least once that weekend. Yeah, because movies were cheap uh, enough where, yeah, that obviously yes. makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, I... I now, what I will say that I'll let other people talk, I swear, is that I do find it interesting that 25 years ago, the critical reception was that this film is very good, it is very exciting, but it's no Jaws. You know, it is a more blockbustery, you know, quote-unquote dumbed-down, you know, uh, the dinosaurs show up early, blah-blah-blah version of Jaws. And I find it interesting that 25 years later, today's critical community, that were, were kids when this film came out, Hold this movie in the same esteem as Jaws, or something like Alien. Yeah, um, that is that is interesting. We'll get back to that because I, I have thoughts on that, but, but you know, which I think reflects the fact that I don't find it to be one of my favorite movies, even though I really like this movie, and I'm not exactly you know old. Um, so, <laughs> Brandon, what what are your thoughts on Jurassic Park? Oh, I, I mean, I think it goes down with. You know, th- seeing things like Batman and like Avatar is one of the greatest like cinematic experiences I've ever had. Of just that movie that's just 
you're engulfed in and there's no experience like it. I mean, CG was around, but this was the one that really took it to the next level. And I mean, after this, people start using it a, a heck of a lot more. Um, it was a the ultimate thrill ride to the point where dinosaurs don't exist, guys. But when I got home, I like I went with my grandmother who loved like monster movies or you know things like that, and this was like her cup of tea. Dropped me off, and my parents, uh, empty household, but, you know, creaks and hearing weird things in the house just had me a little on edge after the scene in the kitchen with the raptors. So <laughs> even though dinosaurs were clearly extinct, I, I still was uneasy. But, I mean, it's, I know, it's it's one of those movies I agree, Aaron. Uh, I think it's a movie so good and was liked by so many people that we almost take it for granted how good it is. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's Jurassic Park. Like, I, I don't think it falls on my... Like, while I say it's one of the greatest cinematic experiences I've ever had in my life, I, I don't know that I put... I don't I don't think I put it in my, like, top films of all time on a smaller list. Um, and it's weird, but, you know, it's kind of like, you know, people taking for granted, like, something like Jaws or anything like that, that you go back to and you're like, oh, yeah, this really was really good. Well, it's funny, you know? like, because Jaws, I do... Jaws is one of my favorite movies of all time, and Jaws is one where... I'm at a point where I could easily say it's just my favorite movie. Like, I've, there's so many things I keep thinking about with Jaws where it comes up, even though I have so mm-hmm. many other movies that I, could, I tend to say list before Jaws. But at the end of the day, I'm like, I really like sharks. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, we passed by a number of memorable scenes, which just, I think, emphasizes how ingrained in the kind of pop culture community this movie really is, as far as the things this movie does right on a consistent basis. Like, there's there aren't many dud scenes in this movie as just like, hey, here's like a filler scene involving Dino, or, you know, involving like talk between characters. Every one of these scenes seems to have some memorable elements in it. I mean, you introduce Muldoon and the Raptors right at the beginning and the whole Shuta thing. Then you get like the whole Amber stuff. And now you have this scene with this kid that Sam Neill's about to terrify with his Raptor claw. Not, like, it's just... not Chris Pratt. Not young Chris Pratt. <laughs> not young Chris Pratt. As the, I believe, what was that like the internet rumor? There's like yes. that kid from yep. Jurassic Park yep. grew up to be in Jurassic World and be Chris Pratt. <laughs> because everything needs to be connected that's how it works <laughs> sorry you only meet 10 people in life come on yeah and as as we all really know that's just snoke that's who that is um but no, he's a he's a kenobi he's, he's yeah you know Sno- snoke kenobi you know <laughs> that long lost son he has and actually sam neill doesn't know it but that's his son yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's actually Irfan Khan when he was young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say that, one, you know, ironically, not ironically, you know, one of the reasons this film holds up is because the dialogue scenes are entertaining of their own accord. The characters are fun to listen to. But I guarantee if this film came out today, you'd have a bunch of stupid think pieces. You know, why the scene with the ice cream is stupid and shouldn't be there. You know, What's wrong with him terrorizing this kid that wants just wants to know about dinosaurs, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. Is this? I do think that our hyper examination to where we, you know, make entire reviews off of a five second scene is a part of why we look at today's movies the way we do. A five second of... scene of someone being human. Yes. <laughs> I mean, have you never like teased a kid or something before? I mean, he's having fun with him. Yeah. He's not being malicious. Um. It's it's fun. two things. And you know, I, you know, not not to bring up the Last Jedi again, but so much of the criticism of that film 
is for scenes that exist purely to develop character. Mm-hmm. And I think, for whatever reason, people, too many, and again, this might just be the internet inflating the general public, I don't know, uh, but there just seems to be a lack of acceptance of scenes that exist only to develop character that aren't explicitly about either the plot or setting up the next five sequels. But also, there's complaints that they don't develop characters. Yes, because they don't notice these things because they're not paying attention, and then they criticize stuff that's in the movie. It's because people don't know what they're talking. They They read a lot of critics now, and they hear people talk, and they don't know what they're talking about. Because I, if I could hear... I don't have to hear the term plot hole again. That'd be great. <laughs> you didn't like the scene. That's it. It's not a plot hole. Oh, en- enough ragging on people for how, how bad they are. <laughs> Hi, listeners. Is, um, Up your pace on the a treadmill, please. Is this best? Is this uh, David Kemp's best script? Um, it's up there. Yeah, I mean between it's one of them. I'm a I'm a huge Car, I'm a huge Carlito Carlito's Way fan, but that's that's a mm-hmm. that's a combination of things as well. I mean, so is this obviously you got Spielberg and the great cast, like you got to Palma and Pacino and Penn and everything. Mission I mean, Impossible. In, ter- uh... in terms of his popcorn scripts, I think the first Spider-Man is a solid piece of character work. I would I um, could agree there just because I I think that script is better than the movie itself for me as far as because I, yes. I have I have qualms with I, the movie because I, I know you I yeah. know you you like Spider Man more than I do, um, uh, and that's why because I think the character work is so strong. It is a well written movie. I can I look over that. the Power Rangers, Green Goblin, and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, I have to say I have a spot, soft spot for uh, I come in peace. <laughs> I really do, but yeah, no. I, in terms of best. I mean, he's got a he's got he's got a good. There's a lot of good ones in handle there. Handle on like good, and then like some like pulpy fun stuff. Like yeah, yeah. and I think this is still from an era where even a movie as big and expensive as this was this was like sixty five million back in ninety three, which wasn't the most expensive you know even of that summer I don't think, but you can't afford nonstop action, so you still have to have scenes where interesting characters talk to each other. Um. And you know what? Speaking with the character, what kind of helps this movie a little bit? I mean, nobody in this movie is, is like a huge star at this point. They're all people you've seen in movies, but never were really. I don't know. Take it like you know, Laura Dern had you know her dad, but she was in a bunch yeah. of David well, like, Lynch films. Like Attenborough's like, like the most like I guess prestigious, and like Goldblum's probably the biggest pop culturey famous kind yes, of character. But, in but I mean, this one I know and then saying, Independence yeah. Day like solidify Goldblum as you need him in as, your summer as, movie. Yeah, as a, as a '90s action star before Nick Cage took off, it's like no, right. this is who you need in your summer movie. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was like bam, bam, and you know, I mean, Goldblum's probably still around now because of that. Yes. Um... And, you know, I mean, you know, being a 13-year-old that wasn't huge on Australian cinema, I had no idea who Sam Neill was. I mean, he, you know, walking into this movie, I thought Laura Dern was the lead. You didn't Uh, watch Possession religiously as a kid? I did not. Not then, anyway. Eventually. I mean, Sam Um, Sam Neill was like a a runner-up for James Bond, and that was about... Yeah, from him. Uh, Uh, And he had the uh, the Omen 3. What's, uh, what about a dead calm? Yeah, that going. These are movies I discovered after Jurassic Park. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, here we go. Wayne Knight was one of the more recognizable faces because yeah. of Seinfeld. Well, by default. Seinfeld. Yeah. Um, and like, he, oh no, this is like this is before Pulp Fiction. So Samuel Jackson still just kind of like he's he's a guy that mm-hmm. seems reliable and things, but he's not like, really hey, anything big. I but it helps us. Weapon it, One. I loved I'm Fresh. Like Samuel Jackson. This. <laughs> 
Yeah, it, it, it helps a bit with the unpredictability of the film. Oh, for and sure. helps, I think it, mm-hmm. it yes. kind of helps us relate with the characters a bit more, too, because it's not, oh, there's clearly our star. You know, it just it's sort of you get the average people around where they're familiar, but not. And you're spending more time with them than you normally do with them when they're in movies. I think that's just that's yeah, a, that's a Do- kind of a Dodson looks under... like a Dodson looks like a young Brad Bird right there, like spy version of Brad Bird. He does. <laughs> <laughs> but and yeah, I think no. that's one of the ways that this film was for better or worse groundbreaking and that it was entirely a concept sell. You know, even the Batman pictures, you know, it was a big deal that it was Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson and Kim Basinger and then, you know, Danny DeVito and Michelle Pfeiffer. For Jurassic Park, I mean, it was it's, the dinosaurs. Casting-wise, it, it's kind of similar to, like, what uh, what was done with Poltergeist. Well, it's, it's it par, yeah, the... yeah. well, it's par for Spielberg in general. Like, in between right. the Indiana Jones movies, it'd be, like, Empire of the Sun and, uh, you know, all, always has Dreyfus, I guess. But, like, E.T., like, things like they're just... They're all they're high concept films and spiel the Spielberg name attached to the Amblin you know name on it like that that's like mm-hmm. a big sell and then yeah you got was the movie star yeah and then of yeah, course you I have mean, like Hook with with um Williams and Hoffman and obviously the Harrison Ford and whatnot but like you know the those other movies and then yeah, even, like even D Wallace in mm-hmm. in E T yeah even going on from here I mean a lot you know Schindler's List is more of I mean. There are there are stars, but Liam Neeson's not like a huge star. It's more of like, yep, Spielberg's doing a Holocaust drama, or even The Lost World is like, well, Goldblum's back, but who else? It's like, okay, we have indie actors Vince Vaughn and Julianne Moore, and yeah, then like Amistad's yeah. like a prestige film, but you, and you know Morgan Freeman and Anthony Hopkins aren't exactly like huge box office draws. They're just reliable people, and then you know, kind of keeps the Tom Hanks you got for Saving Private Ryan that works, and then AI's back to like, oh, the the it kid right now, Haley Joel, like you know, he bounces. Well, Saving Private Ryan was a lot of up and comers surrounded oh, by yeah. uh, surrounding Tom Hanks. Yeah. Well, I think I would argue, you know, off the top of my head, that Spielberg started using big stars right around the late '90s for a period for what you know for better or worse because you got you know Saving Private Ryan, the Tom Cruise pictures, Catch mm-hmm. Me If You Can. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, he still and, goes back and forth where you get like Munich, yeah. you get Munich in there with Eric Bana. Yeah. Yeah. Or like yeah. Warhorse or Tintin. Uh, I mean, even like well, then he starts Lin- to sort of fall back. Even even Lin- that, you know. even Lincoln is not. You know, Daniel Day Lewis is he makes movies yeah. rarely, but he's not like a huge uh, uh, draw. Like, <laughs> well, he was using. I mean, he's using people that were big stars. And sure. Like, yeah. Obviously. Now yeah. now play more in character roles. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you know, I was thirteen. I was young. I was naive. I get it now. But until the internet came along, I had no idea Jeff Goldblum was a sex symbol. <laughs> yeah. But yes, my wife corrected me on that. She was totally into Jeff Goldblum back in these days. Well, he's dressed and like I look, totally get it. He's he's got charisma like no oh, other yeah. in this oh, yeah. damn movie. And look like, at him here. He's uh, like he's dressed like a rock star. Like he's wearing yeah, all yeah. leather, sunglasses on, big hair. <laughs> I mean, they liked him so much they changed the book. Yeah, yeah, you know, and then and then he was like so much that they, there was a book book written and they, they kept him alive. They brought him back. It's yeah, because he dies in the book. Yeah, here's, oh. here's that fun foreshadowing right here where Doctor Grant has two female seatbelt connectors, but life finds a way and he, yep. he makes it work. <laughs> yes, I like all this business. By the way, of them trying to figure out the seatbelts, <laughs> like this is such an unnecessary mm-hmm. scene. <laughs> but it's so but it's, it's a character moment. It, it makes is it relatable. Yeah, and that's you know I, these scenes of them talking 
are entertaining of their own accord. The scene with uh, Wayne Knight and the other guy whose name escapes me, Doxin. that is a Doxin. fun, well-written scene. <laughs> yeah. And it's what? obviously a pure exposition, but it works. As we just got the island, I went to, like, John Williams. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, right here. Like, yeah. Do you ever fail? <laughs> like, I mean, jeez. Like, oh. well, like, when is he tapped out, right? Like, I don't know. I mean, he's not as... I don't know. Even now, he's still composing some memorable themes here and there. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. this, this is just one where it's, like, it's embedded right away. Yeah. And oh. how perfect is the idea of this movie where the branding's, like, so built in? Like everything has the Jurassic Park symbol on it. Like this is such a it is. it's yeah. such a perfect coup for Spielberg as far as and I can make a good movie like a... and have it just be automatically toyetic. Like it's perfect yeah. that way. And it looks fun in like a real like zoo or park you'd go to. Like the hats are like that like bursting orange with the logo. Mm-hmm. Like in, in in different hands, it could have gone a different way. But this this it feels genuine because of the cartoonish nature of it. I like the khaki and pink as a standard color for all the employees. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's you know, it's a very colorful film. Mm-hmm. You know, it looks, you know, it's it's a demo disc because of that. It's whatever format you're watching it on, yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, that we'll come up to it in about you know, ten minutes or so, five minutes. But the Mister DNA thing, what a wonderful way to explain, oh, yeah. to everyone, not just yeah. kids, how the science works. Oh, it's a perfect you know, like. Yeah, it's like it's like like Cameron's Titanic scene. Yes. It just sets everything up so simply and, <laughs> in an entertaining way, and there's involvement from everybody. Like it doesn't feel like we're dragging. Even like the Back to the Future chalkboard scene in Part Two. Like it's just like it's so like that scene's a little more obvious, but it's so like wildly like Christopher Lloyd's going to just stop and draw things now to make sure you get it. Um, now we're about to approach the big reveal, and what I do think is interesting about this film is that. Yes, you see a dinosaur about 20, 22 minutes into this film, but they space out the reveals. You don't see a brontosaurus until about 22 minutes in. You don't see the T-Rex until about an hour into the movie. And then, if I'm not mistaken, you don't see a raptor until, you know, right you know, after Sam Jackson's been killed. Yeah, that's... Which yeah, is beside, beyond, beyond, the end of the movie. Beyond the opening, which hints at it. I mean, the, yeah. Yeah, the raptor makes a major presence, you know, yeah, later, much later on. You know, which, during the big jump scare that everyone, you know, when she gets attacked in the air conditioning or whatever, which the, my entire audience went batshit for that, by the way. Uh, and this is the mother of all reveals. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the keys is that you see them being amazed before you see why they're amazed. No, oh, that's, you know, that's whole Spielberg right there. Yeah. Such a, yeah. That you can identify any one of his movies before this yeah. that do the exact same thing. But he's good at that. He captures wonder. That's Spielberg. <laughs> like that's yeah. that's Amblin's motto, basically. <laughs> Make sure the characters like it as much as you do. And even this, you don't see that head until the next you know shot or two. And it's I mean, William's music is there, the scale yeah. is present. The fact that it's in day makes a huge difference, I think, too. Because it's yeah. like it doesn't feel yeah. like it's it does it feels less alien because of that. It's not And obscure. it's not the T Rex right away. Yeah, it's yeah, one, exactly, it's yeah. a softer yeah. dinosaur. You can still make more incredulous dinosaurs after this. Mm-hmm. And this is the first I believe it's the first time you hear the official Jurassic Park theme. Um Although I like the, you know, just as much. Yeah, there's a lot of cool com- combinations of ways to make this whole yeah. game work. Mm-hmm. Different tracks. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. 
it is great to think of like trying to act this stuff out like it, 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 it i mean it shows you how good these actors are i mean and it's not it's understandable you have sam neill or Dern, richard attenborough and jeff goldblum in front of you you're gonna get good performances but like they have to make this work and they sell it and it's just it's, it's so like right there on their face like there's nothing in front of them and they have to make it seem like they've seen the greatest thing of all time and they're doing that And then Steven hands it over to Luke John, and he's like, hey, make this work. And then, you know, that happens. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we've got to the end of this scene where you see that wide shot. Attenborough's, like, really great in this movie. He, like, oh, yeah. He has to do a number of different things here. Like, keep his cool amidst all the things that are going on, explain things show off not show off like there's so many different there's a lot of layers to this performance that i really enjoy it's just like just the universal studio <laughs> it is a cool like park like you said brandon like this looks like a fun mm -hmm. place to visit just how it's designed and everything and i like how it's i mean still they under don't they I don't like, i like yeah, how it's still under construction i like that it's still yeah. it's not finished like which makes right sense. It's ready for beta yeah. uh but like i mean there's a lot of things that you could forget that i mean they remember to put here and it, it just feels more generous there's like a generator room this room, like little like cafeteria areas i mean it's just it's so thought it's so well thought out you, you believe this place exists and you see how that you can see how the park functions from a visitor standpoint and an employee standpoint while not hitting you over the head with it. So in this tour, the idea is that John Hammond is just going to get up like multiple times a day and <laughs> do this little, this little prepared skit. That's, that's the idea. Or it's, is he, is he talked to himself or yeah, he talks to himself? Well, he so, talks to himself, so but is, is himself on the screen address him? Yeah. As, He's yeah. A whole okay. bit. So like if this park became active, the idea is that he would, keep doing this all day i guess it's a limited park though too like you're probably yeah probably not too many people doing this every time because probably costing probably a once leg. a week right. once a week twice a month probably i always wonder about the, the 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 logic of this park which jurassic world explores you know obviously because the park's open but like so people like it and that one's i guess more accessible than this one seems to have been because it's like one helicopter and even the seats well, in this auditorium there's not too many of them and so what do you pay in it's a, it's like a home, like the the ultimate in like home theater technology. When it first comes out, it's like way too expensive, and all the rich people can uh -huh. afford it and whatever. And then you take it through a couple of years, it starts flushing out and becoming more affordable, and then everybody gets in. So I'd imagine in the early stages, the park would just be a luxury for wealthy people. Could you, and then could you imagine being like a kid that's like, guys, guess where I went this weekend? Yeah. <laughs> Isla Nubar. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I saw dinosaurs. It was crazy. Let me show you on my Kodak or my yeah, my Kodak camera. I just got the pictures developed over at the local photo mat. My brother is dead, but it was still worth it. <laughs> it's like the, the Donald Glover sketch or the Jurassic Park sketch on SNL from a couple weeks back. Oh yeah, the courtroom sketch. <laughs> yes. That was great. Uh, uh. And what I love about this is, you know, they, they they see the dinosaurs, they're giving, you know, ooh, ah, whatever. And you can tell throughout this entire scene, they're sort of, now that the wonder is worn off, they're thinking why this is 
you know, an awful, awful idea. So that, you know, in the next scene, they all ambush him at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. In the conference room or whatever. Yeah, because they have legitimate questions, and it's the yeah. kind of... And I... I don't know. We'll get to it more as the film goes on, as far as what <sighs> limits this film, I guess, for me to stop it short of being, a, like, a favorite movie. But, no, there's a lot of, like really great dialogue work which is why i wonder if this yeah. is kept specs because it's like so much there's so many like aspects to how to make a movie about a dinosaur theme park work and they really just clue into the things that make this fun and exciting as well as being smart as well as being character focused like there's a lot of there's a lot of balls to juggle like i like spider-man but it's like that's a pretty straight path that you go down like yeah. you know it's like you make a hero's journey i mean that, that's that only takes so much this is like there's multiple lead characters to follow through on. There's a lot of science to work with. There's going to be Michael Crichton fans that are, I assume, you know, really pissed off about things. Like, there's a lot of things to take into consideration. And they got Rising Sun to a month later. <laughs> yeah. they, just, they just go back to Westworld. When Crichton did it himself, <laughs> it worked. <laughs> it was, I mean, this this kicked off the, the Crichton adaptation. Like, oh, well, Josh Park works. Fear's going to work. E- er er's killing it uh, you know, on but that's a future commentary that's on that's been on yeah. our list for a while <laughs> uh, i read all, most of his books that summer yeah I, I i read jurassic i mean this might be one of the biggest films that people like saw and then read the book afterwards because yeah. i remember everybody and, and people being like what it opened differently and and uh you know malcolm died and then nedry's death was just horribly descriptive yeah, <laughs> I mean this well, film doesn't exactly you know this film doesn't book, you can't have subtle violence. This, right, film, yeah. this film doesn't exactly undo the the serious nature of Nedry's death. <laughs> right. I yeah I read Congo I read Spear, uh, yeah I was I was on the Crichton train right then. Um, of those books, oddly enough, Spear was my favorite. Spear's really good. It just didn't turn to. Yeah. Good. Yeah, film, that wasn't but... Barry Levinson in his prime right there. <laughs> he was no. That, he was he, you know he had a homicide going. You know he's he focused on that. Here we go. One of the film's There's heroes. BD Wong. Like a teenager, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. You don't realize he's only in this scene. Um, this is his only scene in the entire film. Yeah, but he comes back with a vengeance right. in Jurassic World. This is his origin story. Sporting some spiffy suits. <laughs> For things that maybe the second one will explore, he's there. Yeah, he escaped in a spiffy suit in Jurassic World, so you know. <laughs> oh. We're all watching Egg. Well, yeah, because this is like fantastic, like, yeah. and it's yeah, it shows. This is you know, I think we've talked about this before, Brandon. Like that pinnacle between CG and practical effects, where right. CG's taking over, which only means that practical effects have become like the best they possibly can before they're not used mm-hmm. as much, and that's what this is. <laughs> it looks yeah. completely real and believable. <laughs> I mean, it's no Carnosaur, but it's... <laughs> it's which, like... who rented those when Jurassic Park was out? Come on, I I watched that on I... Cinemax. I watched them at like four in the morning, the way God intended. <laughs> I was I was watching. Um, so I've never seen this movie, but I was watching um, uh, the James Cameron series on AMC, where he 
just breaks down like sci-fi films of directors yeah. and they all talk they all basically show how smart they are and how people should stop bitching about things um but they show they're talking about time travel and they show clips from the the movie um a sound of thunder i've never seen that movie that's the one with ed burns that goes over the short ray bradbury story yeah that movie looks terrible Oh my god! <laughs> the, it is the I mean, great idea, good story. Oh yeah, it's but... great. And but like the effects of that movie, which was what like 2006 or something like that, it's like oh boy, this look. I mean, this movie we're watching right now looks fantastic, and that movie, Carnosaur probably looks better than that movie. It, like, yeah. it, it was like oh boy, they this was. I'm glad I didn't see this in a theater. <laughs> glad I didn't see this at all. Yeah, yeah, I'm still happy I didn't see it at all. <laughs> like those those like four seconds they show of like a dinosaur and Tom Sizemore shooting at him, like, no, thank you. I don't want this at all in my life. Here comes Jeff Goldblum, tough-talking the uh, scientists about everything. And John Hammond doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> And there's that tagline. What species is this? I like there's a lot of, like, foreboding about the raptors. I mean, we got the whole opening. We have this where, like, the ominous music starts playing along with it, too. And raptors took off. Like, Spielberg knew what yeah. he was doing. He certainly, like, they... <laughs> raptors have been, like, the focal point of this franchise when it comes to... But he what, got it wrong. Is... They don't look like yeah, that. Yeah, they're not there's no feathers on them, so you know, whatever. This movie sucks now. <laughs> Jurassic <laughs> Park is now rated an F. What do you think you get I mean, I guess it's because they're just a de facto villainous type character even though they're, you know, dinosaurs, but is that what it is? Just that's the appeal like that they're they're the bad dinosaur, yeah. like people respond to There are to they're our size. They're closer to our size. You can you can travel them through rooms that can hide their So there's a dynamic appeal slick... to them as well. They're, you know, they're almost, you know, this is just sounds silly, but they're almost ninja dinosaurs. Right. Uh-huh, yeah. So there's like a, basically, there's a mystique about them. Yes. It's, it's not, there's... And to be fair, I had never heard of a raptor before this movie. Yeah, me Right. Yeah, so, yep, me either. Heard of like this maybe... was not, that was not a dinosaur that came up in school. Yeah, you got your, like, your stegosaurus and your triceratops and, you know, a T-Rex and a brontosaurus. Yeah. Like, like, you got yeah, your basics. And then it's like, this. what's this cool dinosaur that has cool claws that can open doors and occasionally talks to you in dreams. <laughs> it kind of felt, it kind of felt like you were getting some like inside baseball knowledge. Like, should I be knowing about these? What's, Oh man, dinosaur people know about these. They don't teach me that in school. One of my, I like how we're not seeing any of it, by the way, my favorite, one of my favorite lines is when Muldoon comes up, they should all be destroyed. Hi, I'm the guy that manages these dinosaurs <laughs> <laughs> for the living. <laughs> Also, my shorts are the shortest of all of you. I win. Robert Muldoon. Game Hunter. He's got the like the short... looks like the thing he's hunting. Yeah. The, sh... the shorts of a high school football coach. <laughs> That's basically an outfit I would wear. It probably wouldn't be out Malcolm's, because it's yeah. probably not cold outside, and yet he's wearing all leather. <laughs> and yet he's still cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's that fly DNA. Ha, ha. Uh, Nowadays, like, there'd be so many like big actors cast in these roles. Like Muldoon is like, who's Muldoon? Bob Peck. Where's Bob Peck been? What, what, where are these movies that he's in? But Spielberg is like, no, I gotta get him. 
He's my guy. Well, I think even by the second one, you added, you know, where you get, you know, I'll still wait for that kind of role. Who had just gotten an Oscar nomination a year or so ago. Well, who P- was Hasselflaith was like Spielberg's like new guy at that point. He, yeah. he loved like mm-hmm. he's he's like quoted as saying like uh, like working with him on Amistad was like one of the greatest experiences of his life. And he's like, I got to get this guy in all my movies. And somehow that didn't yeah. pan out. He only got him in one other movie. But still, it's like, all right. <laughs> Actually, is that true? Yeah, I guess that's true. I'm trying to think of any other Spielberg movies possible within them. I don't see any. I can't think of any offhand. Unless he has a cameo in the terminal I'm forgetting about. That's kind of like, was it uh, Bruce Willis and Billy Bob Thornton were going to do all these movies together, and they did like two? Yeah, The the Astronaut Farmer, the best one. Um, Oh, no, Bandits. I was trying to think of the other one, and I forgot. Bandits, Bandits. Bandits, really good, too. So, there you go. Bandits, uh, Armageddon. Armageddon, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Is there another one? No. They're trying to think. I do, I mean, and they even note this, but like, Gennaro, is it Gennaro? Gennaro. Like, he's he's the one that's most skeptical going in, and I was like, guys, we can sell the hell out of this part. This is going to be the yeah. best thing ever. <laughs> I can lawyer the hell out of this. Sign Whatever form, sign him. Let's do this right now. We can get people in tomorrow. The helicopter's not going anywhere. We can ship, we can ship <laughs> them in. Get the money in. Let's do this. Science? Schmience. That's what I say. I'm a lawyer. Now this, I mean, you know, all due respect to the spectacle, which is great. This is the best scene in the movie, in terms of you know what the film is about. You know, it has the actors at their best. The dialogue is fantastic, and it's just it's incredibly gripping, despite just being a bunch of people having, or because it's a bunch of people having a moral debate. Um, well, this is where you get Goldblum's not just some like snazzy. Yeah. You know, show off guy. He's actually got major concern. Well, he cares. As an audience member, you don't think of going in, and he kind of brings it up, and you're like, oh, yeah. Um, well, yeah, it's the, I mean, like you just said, it's the, it's the moral debate about the about why this park should or should not be exist to begin with, and what, you know, what are we doing here playing God and all that. Like, it makes, yeah, it's, it, it needs to be a good scene. And the, again, this is why, like, you know, Cap has to do some tricky work here to make all this work. He has to make he has to make a scene that's about adults, you know, debating the morality and legality of something, and turn that into an entertaining spectacle between actors. In a movie that is already given you dinosaurs, and you have to pause to wait and see before you see more dinosaurs. And and you also have to balance, and you know, you have basically all three of our major leads that say everything about this movie is wrong, but you still want the audience to have them keep going. If that makes sense. Yeah. You didn't uh, go to Jurassic Park to not see the see them go. Nope, I don't think so. Okay, we'll close it down. We'll yeah. put all the dinosaurs to rest. And, uh, the other thing, coming, folks. The other thing to keep in mind: that sea bass meal that they're eating for lunch looks delicious. But also, yes, what's going on with the lights in this room? There's a projector in like every corner. What, what's happening? Here? <laughs> <laughs> this looks terrible. <laughs> I saw one was like projecting a a Delta airline on the. The screen. Well, if you're flying to Isla Nubar, you're flying Delta. This is the foreboding trailer shot, and the you know the close-up during monologue, which is basically his yellow highlighter. 
Boom. Fade to black. A Steven Spielberg film. Boom. People start getting eaten. Sir, Commissioner Gordon just left. (laughs) (laughs) They're here. (laughs) (laughs) Rather unexpectedly, sir. A lot of people were annoyed by these kids. I'm not. Because they're idiots. Right. The same people that were, oh no, the kids in Jurassic World, the movie really wasn't about their divorce. Who cares? The character detail. It's not what the movie's about. Yeah, I would. It's I, these kids already have something bad enough going on in their lives. Yeah, their escape now becomes a nightmare as well. Well, these kids—that's why they're here, because their parents are getting divorced. The, the Lost World doesn't help. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> it's a mix of. I just don't think she's as likable as the kids in this movie for one thing. Yeah, and they don't give her the best scenes to have either. I mean, this, like the—I think what the kids do here. It works well with what the adults are doing because they're all kind of experiencing the same thing. It seems like where you know, every Malcolm's seen dinosaurs before, and the two of them don't get along too well. Like, there's a number of weird reasons that is going on with that movie where it just and then the gymnastic stuff. It's it's a lot. Yeah. it's a lot to take in. <laughs> yeah, she just that. I mean that that one fits that whole stereotype of. That stigma of like, oh, Spielberg putting kids in a movie or something like that, that and it just, oh yeah, she she doesn't work. But the kid, I mean, the kid in the third one is basically what Newt. Yeah, is yeah. what we have with her. Yeah, boy, or with him. boy Newt. So a chameleon. I don't know. <laughs> Salamander. <laughs> well, I I will say that you know I like the third film. I do too. You know, for me. It wins me over when we finally meet the kid. You're like, oh, I can believe he would survive on this island for six weeks. Okay, you now have my trust. I'm, I'm with you at the end of the ride here. Um, and because they sell that, the rest of the movie works. Yeah, I, I, I don't even mind I mean, too much when Al, Al, Alessandro Nivola, like seems to die, and then he comes back at the end, but he's like really wounded. It's like, oh. Yeah, that's, <laughs> the movie's over. I guess I can live with that. Yeah, the movie just... Ends. But, no, I think so like yeah, it's been oh, yeah, the minutes. Movie, okay, we're done. It's one of the more abrupt movie endings for like a major blockbuster for sure. Yeah. But what I do like about that whole thing though is like I got your hat because he saves Doctor Grant's hat. <laughs> so that's, yeah. not, that's what makes it up for me because it's like he got beaten down by pterodactyls. But like his, his line when he comes back is like I got your hat. <laughs> that movie is know, a I... romp. We'll talk about the sequels, I guess. But that that Jurassic Park three, it's not like great at by any means none of the sequels are great by any means which is yeah, people invest a lot in these this franchise for some reason when none of the sequels have been like anything <laughs> you know to, to really write about but um the jurassic park 3 is just like let's just make a b movie this time around like that seems to be yeah. like that goal of it it's fun it's like this fun action movie that happens to have dinosaurs and a lot of great character actors see i think the second one's a b-ish movie as well and i i think the suspense sequences for it are like outstanding the set pieces are the, great. The, yeah. the set pieces are great and that's kind of why i i lean towards it whereas the third one's just kind of i don't know with the first two movies you get these really cool set pieces really well done and the third one's just kind of static yeah. like i think the third one probably has a better narrative or idea I, but i just watching the second one's just even though i might not be invested in the character story i'm still thrilled by the the suspense and stuff going on with the set For pieces. me, with The Lost World, is the same problem I have with Predators. 
which is that they both follow the relative structure of their predecessors. But with Predator, the first Predator, you have, what, 30 minutes before the alien starts hunting them. And that stuff is interesting. You're meeting the characters, you have the big attack in the jungle, blah, blah, blah. With Predators, basically nothing happens for the first 30 minutes of the movie. Yeah, it's um, a lot of very one-dimensional stuff. Yeah, and the same thing I feel with The Lost <laughs> World. Once you get the 50-minute mark, which is about where the shit hits the fan in both the first two Jurassic Park movies, the movie's fine. But that first 45, the first act, basically, in The Lost World is a lot of static, especially once they get to the island. I, um, yeah. I, let's, let's talk but about... Let's talk, let's talk, good let's, stuff there. Let's, we'll, talk, we'll get back to this. I want to talk about this real quick, because yeah. I like the idea that... Now you have to test the theme park out, and you're like, "Well, you can't just make dinosaurs appear like in the front of a, a, right. a you know a fence here that's electrified, and like there's no reason for them to be here." And I, I I love the idea of like, well, Hammond now is like watching people watch this, and we're in the movie watching them not see dinosaurs, and it's like, how do you troubleshoot something like that? That's like that's where my mind goes. Like, how do you make a theme park work where dinosaurs need to show up so you can see the dinosaurs when they have all this land to roam? Well, it's like when you go to the zoo and you go to the see like the lion, and he's nowhere to be found because he's sleeping on the other side of a tree that's far away, you know. Uh-huh. But there's also there's gonna be someone eventually goes in there with the lion or whatever they do something to you know get it to come out, and the area is not that big either, so there's only so many places to go. This is like the the dinosaurs have all of the park to explore. It seems like there's not much fencing beyond separating it from the people involved so it's that's such a unique problem they have to work around and we'll never we never really seem to get that answer except in world when they're like oh just give them giant balls to be in and then they can do whatever the hell they want right uh yeah i I, you know we we say theme park but i think you know jurassic park more so plays like the zoo rather than than the theme park Although they they do have it theme parked up in the Jurassic World, that one's more. Well, I think that that's part of the 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 the, the subject of the film is that it's become viewed by most people like a zoo as you know nothing special yada yada yada. So they have to keep sprucing it up, and that's mm-hmm. you know Good that's bad. what the movie's about basically. It's mm-hmm. basically a commentary on the bigger, badder, nastier blockbusters, which again, very few people seem to understand that the movie was basically criticizing itself. Um, just like I would argue to a certain extent, Star Trek Into Darkness was a philosophical debate between blockbuster Trek and old school Trek where old school Trek wins at the end. Um, John Hammond should just fire an entry. I mean, I, there's no, <laughs> there's no reason he should be working here. <laughs> Everything he does. Uh, uh, uh. Well, he's certainly fired tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He seems like they come this far. He seems to know what the working relationship is with this guy. It's like, get him out of here. <laughs> you, yeah. The park's not open. You can afford to look around for a while to find somebody else to do the things he does. And this is just me, you know, justifying a quote-unquote plot hole. But for me, it was like, okay, at this point, he doesn't want anyone to know what this park is, and he doesn't trust this guy to keep his mouth shut if he fires him. So as long as he hasn't, isn't actively sabotaging the park, then keep him around. If you want to talk about plot holes, let's keep in mind the Tyrannosaurus Rex paddock right here, where there is nothing but land on the other side of that fence. (laughs) (laughs) There's no steep drops. There's nothing else there that indicates there's something that goes deep down to the lower parts of the ground. (laughs) 
The Raptors got a whole cow. Just pointing that out, by the way. Like, <laughs> I mean, what's this Tyrannosaurus? Is it when he had a diet? What's going on here? Well, this movie now gets an F minus. <laughs> Does he have pheromones coming out? Like, what would they expect this turn? It's like, up. Oh. The goat's here. I got it, guys. Other dinosaurs. Hold on, I'll be back with my story. I gotta go eat that goat real quick. Maybe it's fourth <laughs> meal. I just know I never put together the little boy's got his little neckerchief thing going on, like Doctor. Oh King. yeah, he's he's so emulating him. Yes, that's what. Yeah, that's a good little. Touch. Oh my. Yeah, it's it's funny. <laughs> All right, it's back up to an. It's back up to an F. Right. Oh, this is good, right? <laughs> I'm just yes. talking into the camera. <laughs> I wonder if there's like they should put a bonus feature just all the footage of Goldblum to that camera. <laughs> also, I really the, hate that man. Also, the, the line that I've quoted over and over again when talking to my children. <laughs> <laughs> also, there are cameras in all the cars. That seems like a problem. Ah. Uh, uh. Especially ones that can listen, because you need permission for that. Yeah. Although I guess you probably, I. Hmm. How does the are there NDAs or this kind of? Well, I guess they have NDAs, but like by the time the park's yeah. open to the public, there's got to be something you like. Sign. You can't just like buy a ticket and be like, "Well, I'm good to go." <laughs> well, if you, I mean, if they didn't have cameras, how are they going to buy their like surprise photo when they go to the booth at the end? <laughs> That's probably true. Yeah. I wonder where that camera is. <laughs> And the entire world learned about chaos theory. Yes. Hey, so where on the island is the volcano, by the way? Are we looking around for that? Is that, <laughs> <laughs> is, that is that on there somewhere? Is it in the distance when we ever see a mountain? We're like, oh, that's that volcano that's probably dormant. Or is that is the volcano on the B island? Well, Scott knows, but I don't want him to tell us right now. <laughs> oh wait, the B island doesn't exist, right? Uh, because they, I don't think they mentioned the Bee Island and that I don't know. If don't, they don't, I don't, I, don't worry about it. I don't. I don't well, want to know. I don't want to know. Well, I mean, well, doesn't Jurassic Park kind of act like two and three didn't happen? Uh, not a or Jurassic World. I meant, yeah. Uh, no, Jurassic, I, I, no, Jurassic. Yeah, you got to remember the events of Jurassic Park or Lost World. Other than the San Francisco thing, everything else happened completely off the grid. San Diego. Right. San Diego, I'm sorry. Yeah, Jur- and then Jurassic World Part 3, you know, nobody knows that happened. Yeah, Part 3 is a pretty standalone thing. Yeah. Like, there's nothing to so, really... So the general public, at worst, they know that, you know, 25 years ago, 20 years ago, you know, a, a couple people were killed on this weird dino island. And then, you know, three years after that, or four years in real time, you know, a, a Tyrannosaurus Rex got loose and ate a guy. I think mm. I think San Diego is referenced in Jurassic yes, World. Yes, Yeah. So, you know, it's funny when people go, oh, why would people keep going to the park? Well, because to the outside world, the park's been relatively, who cares? You know, people don't go, stop going to SeaWorld because Dickabong killed the guy. Um, that um, that shaving cream, by the way, that was a huge thing for them. Dude. They were like, the, what is it, Barbies? Yeah. They um, they went in on the whole product placement for this movie, despite being, I guess, involved in the, the you know, the villain plot. <laughs> well. <laughs> Got their name out there, you... that's for sure. And when Jurassic think... World came out, they certainly they played it up again. They're like, "Hey, remember when we were the you know big shaving brand sponsor for Jurassic Park?" Hmm. They're nostalgic well, you know, for that. It, it, 
Power Rangers and Man of Steel I enjoy because you have giant product placements in places where people die. Yeah, and it's also funny to hear Rita Repulsa say Krispy Kreme over and over again. Yes. Like that's the, <laughs> yes. That's, that's the kind of thing where it's like you're an adult and you're th- you're using that as a bad side in your criticism. Like, what are you doing, guy? Like, what, 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 yeah. movie, do you, what movie were you watching before Power Rangers? <laughs> like, this Power Rangers movie was really good up until the Krispy Kreme references. <laughs> I was I was I was all behind this Zordon thing, but Krispy Kreme, no, thank you, I'm out. Well, and this is another part where I complain about the average movie critic in this day and age. I mean, I was stunned by the people that complained about the product placement in the Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Like, did you realize that Papa John's was sort of a symbol for failure and despair? <laughs> I mean, that wasn't exactly a thing that made me want to go eat at Papa John's. You know, he basically talks about that as a symbol for how his life went to hell. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. it's... I, I you, you know I'm a big fan of Secret Life of Walter Mitty, so it's yeah. Like, yeah. Um, oh, Laura yeah. Dern's crying uh, in I this like by, right now, by the way, uh, because of like how intense she feels for this Triceratops. It's very believable. Um, we're at we're at a point where they've seen certain dinosaurs, and Laura Dern's like, "There's a Triceratops like dying in front of me." <laughs> and if I recall, and I could be mistaken. You don't see a Triceratops actually moving and running around to the second film. Yeah, no, this is. The I one. think that was one of the big marketing things, just because that was something you hadn't seen yet. Yeah. Well, and they, I think and they didn't have Stegosauruses in this one. That's like a, you know, that's a favorite yeah. for a lot of people. And then the second one's like, let's give you all the Stegosauruses. We're gonna have a whole action scene well, based around Stegosauruses. I think. And the, the third, t- third one's like, we got pterodactyls. Yeah, we, we like the third one's a lot of like what like like script idea or book ideas, right? That they like pilfered. Like there's a lot of action the piece. second and yeah third they ones. they took the they took the opening from the original book for the third one and, um, uh, and the the water like the the water stuff that's like there's a lot of raft space stuff in the book I believe for the first yes. one right yeah uh, the opening scene of the Lost World the kid getting nibbled at the beach that was in the first oh book. wait that was the book that was the first yeah. book to open uh, Sorry, the yeah. waterfall death that's in the the book uh-huh. mm-hmm. um the way that Peter's what's his name uh. Not Steve Buscemi in Fargo, but oh, Peter, Peter Stormare. Peter Stormare. Yes, the way he dies in Lost World is how John Hammond dies in the book. Yeah, he gets, oh, that's he right, gets yeah. eaten by all these little things. Uh, yeah, the yeah, um, the gets... the Sega Genesis Jurassic Park game has lots of raft stuff. Like they do, uh, they, uh, they uh, use a lot of the book's um, action sequences. <laughs> well, the third, the the Jurassic World's big uh, thing is they have that that big underwater dinosaur. Yeah, yeah, the, that, the, the yeah. Uh, Mosasaurus so, or whatever. The... Yeah. Look at Goldblum right here, strutting around. How did I not see it? <laughs> the frame, the framing on that shot is all zoom outs, and then it's just Lord Dirt's hand inside a giant Triceratops dropping. <laughs> Dr. Alan Grant, normally very curious about everything, is, you know, curiously in the back of the scene. <laughs> He's like, I am not sticking my hand in there. Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I use the... I, 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 uh, I dust. I don't, uh, I don't stick my hand like, in. I like bones, not yeah. dung. Yeah, the bones are my field. <laughs> Here's the other thing, too. The, 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 the relationship dynamics between these characters. I, I think they're not a couple in this movie. That's you know right the uh, Doctor Grant and uh and, and Ellie. No, they are. They they, they had a are they? 
I yeah, they think, are. Are they, though? Just they're at an impasse because she wants kids and he doesn't. Okay. And, you know, this, you know, it's a bittersweet scene at the beginning of Jurassic Park 3 where, you know, basically that, you know, ended they, their relationship. They moved on, yeah. And he visits her kids and is like, you know, maybe I made a mistake. This could have been mine. Uh, but no, they are a couple in this film. So they are a couple. Okay. Because it's like, because the movie doesn't, I don't think it, I mean, you just kind of assume, but it doesn't. Well, they it doesn't, have a... He has a conversation with Jeff Goldblum, who basically asks, you know, are you two seeing each other? And he says yes, and, you know, to the film's credit, that's the end of that love triangle. Well, I mean... He, just, he, he backs off and, you know, whatever. He says yes, but it's like, it always feels like in a way where he's just being more protective because well, he doesn't like he yeah. doesn't like Malcolm, or as far as... Mal- Malcolm's probably Lothario. That's the impression yeah. that you get from that, regardless if they're together or not. He just doesn't want his, you know, either girlfriend or friend hanging out with this guy. Oh. <laughs> uh. But no, to, to, to my, you know, they, I believe they are a couple. But I think the greater, yeah. the greater point that I'm making is that Spielberg wisely doesn't try to, you know, yes, it's, not about, it's not about damsels. It's not about, like, you know, yeah. who's going to get the girl at the end of this thing. It's just like, no, these are yeah. adults in an adult relationship, regardless of whatever dynamics there are. And that's, that's you know, that's just called subtlety at that point. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's. I like this very, uh. Nedry <laughs> version of an excuse for like what he's going to be doing, and he's like laying all these things out. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna, I did all this stuff. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna get a soda. I mean, uh, very sweaty for some reason. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Oh, Would you like to sabotage the island? It, yes. Synchronized watches. I like that Jurassic Park's a Mac-friendly park, apparently. Oh, there's still there's still enough time to get those sequels where Malcolm's kids get in this. His other two kids that we didn't meet. <laughs> and presumably more. He probably has more since this movie. He seems kind of shattered from the events of this film. Seems like a different broken man in Lost World. Well, Julianne Moore is like a new relationship. Yeah. <laughs> I we can't hear it at all, but I love the as much as I love the themes. The the music throughout this movie is great, and I love this theme of like Nedry, yeah, Ned, Nedry stealing stuff themes like there's such a yeah when I watch this movie again this emphasizes how it's my favorite movie that's my favorite movie I know the musical cues so well in this just because it's so scored to the actions of the characters like when he's sliding up the different vials of things to get for the dinosaurs it's all I like, know smoking uh, is bad for you and all but I miss seeing people smoking in movies because it, it does add character and atmosphere I'd say it does at the same time it reflects reality because I don't see people smoking in reality too much anymore in these kind of areas. That's true. It, I mean, yeah. if movies, I yeah, guess. There, w- there wouldn't be smoking allowed because of the tech and then the <laughs> everything. That kind of thing. Too. And the but movie I... Jurassic Park would be rated R. <laughs> <laughs> but something like like the post a lot of people were smoked. It's like you got that period setting it kind of fits. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure there's probably lots of pipes in Lincoln. Thank <laughs> you. 
Yeah, Amistad, you couldn't stop, you know, Anthony Hopkins are smoking in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're almost an hour in, you know, we've seen, like, three main dinosaurs, essentially. <laughs> we're about five minutes away from T-Rex. You know, this is, you know, the, the actual... You know, running and you know, to use the cliche, the running and screaming, it's pretty almost entirely, almost entirely contained the third act. It is, and that's. Um, it's not like a, that's, it's not a downside of the movie because you ideally you no. want, you want to see dinosaurs in a movie like this. It just, I don't know what it is, but it just like the because the act it's great set piece stuff. It's great Spielberg action or whatnot, but like it. I mean, this even as like because even as like a kid, like I loved watching this movie, but it's like I I still was like you know like Raiders was my thing or Star Wars was my thing like this, and I loved dinosaurs as a kid. I had dinosaur stuff all over the place before I saw Jurassic Park, and this movie certainly helped that. Is because I had more dinosaur stuff, but like I don't know, there like, was like a big dinosaur like fad going on in the nineties too, oh, yeah, and this like was the... like something that capitalized on because there was a lot of like. I think there was some sort of like discovery, yeah, was, like yeah, because the the technology is getting well, better, so you can like show more stuff for like. But I, I think there was like huge, some huge discovery of like these bones. I watched a documentary on it or something like, and this came like, this movie was like two or three years into that, so like dinosaurs were big. So maybe this movie's big for kids. Well, this movie's push might have been like the fact that dinosaurs were on this like upswing because I mean a lot of zoos were having special exhibits. Yeah. Um, and um, Spielberg, there was, like Spielberg. There was, like, a, yeah. Spielberg secretly sabotaged that We Are Back movie so he can show you just how good a dinosaur movie could be when he, when he put his yeah. movie out. Well, granted, you'd understand more about the 90s dinosaur craze if you had completed your comprehensive retrospective of the Land Before Time series. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's part of it right there. I mean, Waiting for the 4Ks and then I'll do it. Like, <laughs> it, I'll hold you to that. That's interesting because that's something, like, Spielberg clearly had an interest in this kind of area of, like, you know, the past with dinosaurs. Like, because, he, yeah, he and Lucas produced The First Land Before Time. And then, yeah, you had the We're Back movie. That's the same year as this movie. I mean, he had, he had his hand in, in dinosaurs already. He knew what, like, what else could I do to, like, entertain audiences as well as children, you know, children and adults. And, like, I've done Aliens a few times. Indiana Jones is, you know, I've made a trilogy out of that. Uh, what, where do I go next? And yeah, dinosaurs is pretty logical stuff for him. Yeah, I mean, it's just his King Kong Godzilla. Like, uh -huh. you know, I'm sure he was into those. So, well, I think the, you know, not to simplify or anything, but I think the appeal of dinosaurs, especially to kids, is they were, you know, real life monsters. Mm hmm. You know, they were basically Godzilla, but real. And there are varieties of them. Yeah, you especially... Can have, you can have your favorite dinosaur. Yeah. Um, Do you think uh, De Laurentiis offered Spielberg uh, King Kong at one point? Do you think that's a thing? surprise me. Do you, you think they're like, hey, you think we can work together on this? Because, I mean... What's what's King Kong? What's what's the seventy six? Seventy six. Seventy six. Yeah. You think there's a point after Jaws where, or I guess, around that time where he's like, hey, maybe we. Can... That'd be weird though. I guess if it was later, maybe they would try to. You better stick to budget this time. <laughs> maybe he offered him um, King Kong Lives. It's like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> I want to make a sequel to that King Kong movie. You can make big stuff. I like those goggles. Those are wild goggles, those night vision goggles. 
they very much have their own identity. <laughs> so I look at them like that's so specific. They to glow the now. They glow in 4K really nicely now. Oh, good. Pretty awesome. Are you watching your 4K disc of this movie right now? I oh, am. Good for you. I have the 4K set, but not the uh, <laughs> not a 4K player. So I'm just watching the regular you're Blu-ray. Pre- you're prepared. <laughs> yeah, you're prepared. prepared. I'm wanting, watching a standard definition of Amazon rental. <laughs> Because my Blu-ray didn't come with a Blu-ray DVD combo pack. You didn't spring for the high-def version you went for standard def? <laughs> I didn't want the playback to be screwed up. Mm-hmm. Never know with this computer monitor. Oh, fair enough. Here's you the... know what's interesting? Yeah. Oh, Go, go, go. I was just saying a thought that's crossing me right now is this is definitely, you know, like a, a, a book adaptation in the fact that I feel like had this been a straight-up film, the whole, the whole thing would take place during this night as opposed to just the sequence, and then we get the next day to be a big portion of the film. Because I feel like if, if it had just been like, you know, someone come up with a movie, the, the whole thing would be that surviving the night rather than... Yeah. Here, yeah. Um, and I think that's to the film's benefit because it gives you more variety in right. terms of the action sequences. And it's not afraid to show its, show what it has because yeah. night would have been an easy, you know, crutch to have been like, well, it's dark, can't see stuff. The the slow reveal of the T Rex is pretty phenomenal as far as how many different ways we can like move around with the camera. Even right here, you just, you see the head, and it's like okay, that's a you know that's big, and it's and it's practical. So it's like you you know that's very tangible. It's right there, but like all these characters' reactions to this thing, Janeiro are just running out like that. Like there's so there's so much great build up to like what's going to be a a ginormous set piece for this movie. Well, and there's so much quiet preceding it. Oh, you know, yeah. They take the two minutes mm-hmm. of them waiting in the car for nothing happening. And but the, 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 um, I mean, the film uses silence in a way that I think is taken for granted. Yeah, in a movie full of great score, it's like now we can quiet things down and ratchet up the tension. <laughs> and it's a great counter to the fact that we just saw characters reacting with so, such strong emotions in favor of seeing dinosaurs. And now you see one guy running away in fear panicking in the bathroom because he can't handle the idea of this dinosaur it's like that's a great balance of like what to expect from a world that has these things in them and oh my god this still looks good <laughs> it's, <just> like, <laughs> it's a mix of sound and presentation but like that t-rex is just like yeah that's right there there's a t-rex in this movie <laughs> like that shot right there like out through the glass it's like that's such a that's a seamless effect who is it, Dennis Murren that's doing this? Like, oh my yeah. god, such a good stuff. And, you know, it's it's 65 minutes of the movie before we see the T-Rex. You know, it's it's almost, you know, what was Jaws, 80 minutes? Yeah. We see the shark? Mm-hmm. Yeah, close. Yeah, this, and this is the film's protagonist. Yeah. Well, and this is the film... The series protagonist, This sorry. film wanted to show... I mean, this film, you know, doesn't have any problems. Like, Jaws wanted to show that shark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. not... <laughs> And it went downhill for Spielberg ever since he wasn't able to accomplish that feat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Special effects cost him a career. It's great seeing the, like the way they intersperse the practical T-Rex and the CG. Like, it's so cool. Like it's like you, you. I don't think about parsing it out, but like, oh my god! Like it's such a well-utilized way of like we only have so much budget to like have CG dinosaurs walking around. How do we best mix it up? And they do it so great. Well, I think there, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, there is almost an advantage in special effects films 
when you make the choice to shoot as if you don't have the money to show everything you want to show all the time. Mm-hmm. And even movies that come out today, you know, I tend to know, you know, I, I, I apologize, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but I do tend to notice when films are being restrained in terms of their spectacle. You know, it's, 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 I would say, I mean, like the one that comes to mind, honestly, is Doctor Strange, where that movie takes, it it introduces you to the idea right away in that opening of Tilda Swinton fighting people in Inception World, and then it takes a good long time before it really delves into what kind of powers these wizards and, and, uh, you know, magicians have. I think that that movie just, as much as I'm it ranks lower on my MCU list. Dr. Strange gets better every time I watch it. Like it, it does a lot of character work that I enjoy. I mean, I, I have issues with it, but I, did, I think the first half is pretty strong. Yeah. That's what I, that's and then the second half yeah. is enjoyable on a pure spectacle level. It is. Yeah. Um, and this sequence, and again, you know, it, it's, I wasn't expecting it to be this violent. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting it to be this scary. Because you got to remember, this is a year after Batman Returns, where everyone goes, oh my god, it's so violent and scary for a PG-13. Boo-hoo, wah, wah. So honestly, I thought this would be somewhat, you know, toned down. But, you know, they put the kids in harm's way. They Hold on, hold on wait, wait, here's where the dinosaur... <laughs> Again, there's nothing but land on the other side of that fence right now. I just want to keep pointing yeah. this out. <laughs> And then Jeff Goldblum, he, Jeff Goldblum, Chris Pratt's his way through this scene where it's like, we had it. And now we ruined it right there. <laughs> he also basically kills Gennaro by doing this. <laughs> there's, a, there's a shot. Oh. Here, you, want it, you want it to do the Rancor... Turn and chomp. Oh God! It doesn't. I think what? Mm-hmm. I mean, Nedry's the only like dis non unlikable character in this movie. Like even yes. the, even though you don't dislike the lawyer, like he's. I mean, he's. You know, yeah, he, he has his quirks or whatnot. But I he, think like, you you're supposed to dislike him enough to not to you know find his death crowd pleasing. Well, you're I, right. He's not like an advice. He's not, you know, a villain. No, I, I don't even find it crowd pleasing. I do find it sad. Not as sad as maybe Richard Schiff in The Lost World, which is like, oh my god, yeah. I really fucked him up. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like, I don't understand. Like, you know, there's gonna be brutal deaths, but people were really upset with um, Kitty McGrath's death in Jurassic World. That's the, was, the assistant but, that gets like yeah, three yeah. like three I different things. I thought it was just happening. crazy, over the top, and like shocking. Like whoa! And there's whoa. like oh, they're sexist. They're doing. I'm like it's a death in a dinosaur movie. I think they were reading that into the issues they had with the rest of the film. Yeah. I don't agree with it. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading, you know, back when Colin Trevorrow was, you know, talking at length about his ideas, <laughs> is that he did want one death scene in that film to be cruel and unfair. And that was yeah. something that he specifically wanted. So when I saw the film, I was like, "Oh, that must be the one." Yeah, and it's just a, it's just an over-the-top crazy death yeah. in a movie. And then it's I just mean, I re- but it's, it's, mean. it's mean, but death is mean. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, and I think oh. again, you know, this is a situation where the cover-up worse than the crime. If he had just continued to say that in interviews, he would have been fine. But then he started going, "Oh, you know." 
because she's a bridezilla, blah, 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 which, again, shut up. (laughs) I mean, it's like complaining about deaths in a slasher movie. It's like, what'd you come to see? (laughs) Yeah, it's going to suck sometimes when people you don't want to die, die. Or people that don't seem to deserve death, die. That happens. Well, and if if you would have swapped McGrath with, like, a male character, maybe it would have been applauded. But, like, equality goes both ways. Like, females are allowed to have horrendous deaths, too. Like, it's just, yeah. I don't know. I was just I was just shocked by it because I thought that death I was like holy crap, what a moment! Because well, it allows for a lot apparently, of apparently apparently I'm supposed to feel guilty about it. It allows for some <laughs> great special effects because it's like the flying things are grabbing her and then like the big one comes out of the water and it's like man yeah. they really went to town on the the work to make this scene happen. And you feel dirty because and that's part of the film being effective. She's like oh. Yeah, it's it's establishing stakes in a movie that needs to have some kind of danger in it. Yeah, yeah. It's like we're not going to kill the children, so you know. Right. We're not going to kill Insidious and Love Simon, so we gotta you know do something <laughs> else. <laughs> Wait a minute, you're blue? Oh God. <laughs> Chris Pratt's like, go to him. <laughs> Um, I, um, I, you know, again, I don't want to say, you know, boo-hoo plot hole, but yeah, I, I did always find it odd that this, this park didn't have a fail-safe for one, one guy screwing up the system. Um, not enough to ruin the movie, new but park. It, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, in it's not like mode. he's doing this while the park is fully open and running. Yeah, and that, that was always my justification, was that, you know, it was a work in progress, there wasn't a need to, you know, and again, he, to a certain extent, trusted this guy. It's the let's woo the scientist weekend. Yeah. And he is like, I mean, he's he seems to have a knowledge of all these systems, like whatever backup systems might have just been able to, you know, you can kind of, it's a, it's an easy write-off, even if the film doesn't necessarily do the best to justify it, where it's like, the guy just handled it because he made a computer program and it shut everything down. Like, I mean, it's... Yeah. The, and, and I mean, the, and I, the, well, you're, I mean, then the the solution is what, like five minutes devoted to showing him to create a computer program? I mean, it's not really yeah. much you can do about it. And I do like how simple this scenario is. You know, they're in danger because he shut the power off and they happen to be near the T-Rex cage. You know, it's not, you know, if they this had happened in the Brontosaurus area, there'd be no movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the, so uh, they don't overly complicate it. Well, and they're on lap two as well. Yep. I, um, I saw this movie with my mom um, originally in theaters. Um, and I'm, I'm a little bit younger with you guys. Um, I never walked away with much in the way of fear uh, as far as this, except for this thing. <laughs> there, I was not scared of tyrannosauruses or velociraptors or anything. This fucking thing. <laughs> and this is like, I like this. I like the curiosity of this. And as a child, it's just like, what's going to happen here? And then it does happen because it makes that, it's not just that it opens up its like big gill thing. It makes that noise with it. And it's like, oh boy. <laughs> This, this just got this just got wild <laughs> and then like the fact that it's in the car already that always got me that got that that got me when i was young watching this movie where it's like it's already in the car next to him when he gets in again it's like oh no <laughs> that said i saw it twice in theaters saw it again with my dad and it's like oh this movie's great like i love the movie <laughs> like, uh-huh. i had a great time watching it <laughs> no dilophosaurus is gonna scare me from the theater <laughs> 
and I'm just having to learn the word Dilophosaurus. Right here is where it starts scaring me, because, like, he's uncomfortably close. <laughs> like, that's not cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then this happens, and it's like, what? And he's making a noise. Uh, one thing I also creepy. like... Sorry, go ahead. He's just no, saying it's creepy. I said those things are creepy. Oh, I like how dirty and muddy and grimy this film is. Yes. It really yeah. adds to the film's atmosphere, especially, again, with the kids. Yes. When the, know, when, they bleed. Mm-hmm. They puke on each other. They're covered in mud. When, when, There's a certain – and, again, I think that really adds to the plausibility and the, the, the effectiveness of the picture. When Tim is, like, sinking in the mud underneath the car, it's like, oh, my God, this sucks. <laughs> like, it's just so, like, <laughs> you can feel it. You can feel it, and it's all wet. And it's the kind of thing where my empathy for actors going through this just kicks into overdrive, and I'm just sitting there thinking, oh, God, this must be a nightmare to film. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like Nedry getting in the car and one already being in there, this, like, feels like a, like a moment out of Gremlins, almost. Yeah, yes, yeah, something like that. It's, it's great. Just to bring this home, they they fell down the area where there was a bunch of land before, and now they're, like, stuck underneath. (laughs) (laughs) We should talk about the kids for a second, uh, because we barely talked about them. Ariana Richards does not act anymore. Like, at all. Like, uh, basically, like, it was like this, and Lost World, a couple other things here and there. I think, what was it? Um, Angus. She's like the She's like the the love interest in that like random teenage comedy. That's it. Like she didn't do much. She was in a Disney movie called I believe A Quiet Place. Not a quiet. Uh, um, <laughs> I thought there was a joke there. God, it, was, it, was, it was a something place. <laughs> it was it was a set in Africa. They were fighting poachers that killed their parents. Wasn't a good movie, but I do remember. Yeah, that was the only thing. Other thing I remember seeing her in. Yeah, but like she basically just retired from acting and like is I believe like an artist. Like, that's, like, her thing now. And then Joseph Mazzello, he's done a lot. Like, he's grown up, yep. for one thing. And I keep seeing him pop. Like, he popped up in... The first time I noticed him, because I've seen him before that, but the first time I noticed him was, like, um, what is it? The, um, um, the, the... It was a combination. It was the, the Social Network and The Pacific, which is a Spielberg-produced... Oh. The Spielberg-Tom Hanks-produced show. And I'm like, oh, Tim's here! And he's, like, in this, like... You know this war drama that spans episode. He's getting really gritty, fighting in you know the uh, in the Pacific, and then he's also in the Social Network. Is like one of the one of Eisenberg's like computer programmers. Like oh, he's growing up. Like <laughs> he's he's around here. <laughs> then he has like an arc in Justified for a little bit. I remember too. He's, he's like a a religious con man type character. Yeah, he he pops up in things here and there. But he works in this movie. There's just enough, like, gee whiz to him, as well as, like, you know, pure fear. And then he gets the whole electrical fence sequence, which is awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And then there's also, you know, Raptors in the kitchen. But we'll get to that, because that stuff's amazing. Apparently he's going to be in Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh. He's one of the... He's Internet probably... is now furious because the guy that directed most of the movie will get directing credit for the movie. Which part of the Queen history checklist is he going to be in? I think he's the second <laughs> E. Okay. No, he plays the he plays uh, John Deacon. He's the bass guitar. Ah, oh, Galileo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a great the. the... The way the music goes right there with the tree and the way the jeep's slowly moving, this, this is great. This whole 
tree thing and then right there it hits the branch and it's, it's like this is such a great staging of events this could be like ultimate spielberg movie as far as the things that he knows how to do really well and like how many times he does them throughout this movie well i think that's one of the reasons why it's attached to so many people as far yeah as, yeah because yeah. they don't you know it's not Spielberg spoofing himself, but it's it's almost almost, you know, it is a a somewhat more self aware Spielberg film because it was just late enough in his career where people were recognizing his signatures, where even kids were recognizing his signatures, because you had people like me that had grown up watching you know, E. T. Raiders, Jaws, Poltergeist, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, to where this was sort of a you know. Even I could recognize the sign, so to speak. It's the Mission Impossible 2 of Steven Spielberg movies. <laughs> that, I would argue, is actually spoofing himself. That yeah. is that is a bit more. Okay, it's the uh, it's the Transformers of Spielberg movies? Yeah, yeah, that works. Okay. Um, That's just just short of, of self-aware Michael Bay, but he's still yeah. doing things in a Michael Bay way with a ridiculous premise. Yeah. Oh. Which is also produced by Steven Spielberg. Exactly, yeah. All sorts of... I think I found Gennaro. Holly Gennaro. I think this was too. That's a great like follow-up line. Because he's in half now. Yeah. And now we can laugh about it after being horrified earlier. And I, I like how small scale this film is. I mean, the, you know, the big action set piece is the dino throws a car over a, a you know, a very small cliff. And then they have to take that car and get it out of a, you know, run down a single tree, you know, and so forth and so forth. It's economy of the, characters that I enjoy. Yes. It's part of what I don't like about The Lost World, where there's a lot of fodder. And I get it. Yeah, it's a monster movie. So, yes, there should yeah. be a level of deaths and what to expect or whatnot. But that movie feels so scattered to me. And there's a lot of yeah. nonsense people running around and screaming when I believe they should be professionals about all this and have so a little better understanding of how things work, even if it is a foreign area involving dinosaurs. Like, the raptor stuff works, because, like, yeah, they're sneaking around in the grass. But there's one scene where, like, the, the the most intelligent guy is afraid of snakes, and so he runs out of a waterfall where the the, the T-Rex is and gets eaten. It's like, come on, yeah. like, what are we doing? <laughs> like... that, is a, that is a loose version of something that happens in this book. Uh, the waterfall bit. He hates snakes, and so he runs out to where the T-Rex is. It's... Yeah. <laughs> I like that uh, Malcolm made a tourniquet. It's it's you kind of it's hard to see it, but like you make he like yeah. wrapped his belt around his leg. So just little details. He's like, oh, Malcolm saved himself. And we're about to get the big trailer shot. The repeat of the water moving is awesome too. Where it's yes, like, you know, it's something we've come to understand now is danger. Will Robinson danger? Yes. <laughs> Remember when the Fresh Prince did the parody of that? Remember when everything did a parody of that? The Fresh Prince <laughs> one was great, though. It is. It's a good one. Yeah. Well, Uncle Phil came yeah. home to the party. Oh, that's good. I like that the T-Rex was, like, waiting around for them to be. It's like, I'm going to so surprise them. They're not going to know what's going to go on. It's going to lurk in the background until I get them just at the right moment. And I'll be like, surprise! That's a fun <laughs> shot right there. That's a perfect Spielberg shot. The objects in the mirror yeah. closer than the mirror. There's a dinosaur. Yep. <laughs> that's such a great idea. Yes. Yeah, that's the trailer shot, right, Scott? Where he bursts through the lava yeah. like that. The tree. Yeah. 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 That's cool. When he, like, hits against the Jeep, it's like, that's such a little cool thing. Yeah. <laughs> 
You think they'll have that on the rise? All right, kids, let's climb this big tree. Yes. Huge exotic tree. Follow me. <laughs> I will be right back. It's like Avatar without the uh, illumination. How long did it take? I mean, how long have they been making this park? Like, if they had to grow full-size dinosaurs, I imagine the dinosaurs probably grow pretty fast. But how'd they get There's these probably an accelerated growth. I guess, right? Because I'm thinking, how'd they get all these giant trees in here? And doing it in secret. Yeah, I mean, they'd have... I mean, this park would have to be at, at least 10. Right? Because you're not only you cloning, you're cloning herds. Yeah, so it's like, that's a lot of and work. Then, <laughs> like, that takes time. How great you gotta is, build that. You gotta great, build the visitor center. How great has gene splicing been in 1993? I guess we're doing it, and I guess yeah. presumably for a while since we have all these dinosaurs and they're full grown. What are they feeding all? I guess they're making all the plants I mean, and stuff. The, the answer is they don't want us to think about that. Uh, <laughs> that's probably what it is but yeah i mean it'd have to be gosh a long it's i mean it's already there i wonder if Crichton has an answer for this <laughs> what took longer this or westworld to build and have running well what's i mean they're just making people like they're not growing they're not even growing them they just kind of make them right or this right like because they're robots these are like yeah. living dinosaurs Anyway, don't sit on that. That just looks painful. I got, I'm surprised you didn't sit on that already. It's like just now that hmm. raptor claw hit, hurt your pants. <laughs> oh. Keep it in the breast pocket or the front pocket. Don't sit on it. Oh, look, he likes kids. <laughs> Everything's going to work out in the end until we see Jurassic Park 3. I like the joke. Do you think he saw us? Yeah. <laughs> That's a fun joke. <laughs> and, do you, and do you think he saw us, Rex? I like that he has a follow-up. I like that he has a follow-up joke to the first <laughs> joke. That's, that's very cute. Uh, rough night. <laughs> broken and bleeding after falling down and dealing with a T-Rex chasing him. Yeah, Tim, Tim, had, Tim had it pretty bad. Like, he was, maybe I'll die. Um, no, Tim does, Tim, his, his efforts don't begin to be any better after all this movie ends. He, he can't catch a break. Yeah, Tim, Tim has nothing but issues. Um, Scott, you back? I am. This might be my favorite scene as far as yeah. I, I, I yeah. think the it's just because of the kind of the emotion that John Hammond's got. Because I think John Hammond, I already said John Hammond's such a great character to me. And I think the, the realization of everything that's gone wrong and how he deals with that with Laura Dern. And he explains the whole like um, 
the uh, the flea circus thing like is all of this stuff and then like it, and then it concludes with the spared no expense line i think it's just a, it's a masterful scene sequence of writing and performance obviously and he's stress eating which also makes me laugh too <laughs> like he got all the ice cream out And yeah, you meant like you mentioned it. Like this scene probably would not be in a movie like this today, or at least it'd be much more. It'd be truncated, that's for sure. Yes, it would be much. You know, they, be, they, they wouldn't be sitting across a table from each other because there's too much open space. They'd be barricading themselves in. Yes. Uh, and you'd still have people that complain that that dumb ice cream scene didn't further the plot. See, this is what like I it reminds me of when I watched Spider-Man Two fairly recently and it is thought this just puts all the mcu films to shame just because of how much time there is to spend with characters <laughs> and it's like it's yeah. not like those movies don't but it just it has a, it has such a weird like it has such a texture to it that the other one these new ones they don't as much not that i don't like them obviously i like a lot of those mcu movies but like the the, the amount of breath that Raimi gives to peter parker in that film just impresses me so much where you have that the chocolate cake scene or i'm gonna the give up being the, I'm gonna give up, yeah, you know, the doctor visit, or I'm gonna give up being Spider-Man for a while, and raindrops keep falling on my head. Plays. There's so much like fun being had, and it's like, yeah, it's no wonder this movie, and the and the first movie for that matter, and arguably the third movie as far as general audiences. There's a lot to like in those that aren't about <laughs> Spider-Man do having action sequences. Well, I think Spider-Man too, and you know, I have my nitpicks with that film more than most people, but it took me a while, but I came around. But nonetheless, you know, e even that. Because it has so little to do in terms of plot and mythology, mm -hmm. as a result, it the only job it has is to give Peter Parker stress character bits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not you a know, movie. It's, it's so it's not indebted relaxed to. It's, yeah, it, it really is, and it's really impressive to watch that. And and compared to now, where there's no yeah, there's no sequel setups. There's no bonus. There's like there's bonus characters because it's in a comic book world, so you can afford to have a name. You can have yeah. what a moon was what J Jonah Jameson's son that's like because yeah. like the, what moon what's what's his what does he become <laughs> oh God, it's like yeah it's, yeah, it's like guy. moon knight or the something. werewolf guy the or werewolf something. yeah moon wolf yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but like stuff like that it's yeah it's not trying to do anything more than it needs to it's just telling a very focused story about a superhero and it's like this is so refreshing to watch a movie like this again. And yeah, here's the end of the scene, and like she eats the ice cream, and she says it's good. It's like yeah, spare no expense. It's such a great little like just wrap up of like this two man play they just performed here in the middle of a movie. And you talk about the negative space. That's a great shot of him saying it too, because you have like this giant room where presumably he'd want all these people to be filled. There's dinosaurs in the background on the wall. Like, like this is the same year this guy made Schindler's List. Spielberg's firing on all cylinders right now as far as yeah. being a capable filmmaker. Which is, right. you know, and this is pure speculation, but I had always, I've always felt that when you watch Hook and you watch, you know, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, especially with the reception of Hook, I think he was getting ready to, if not retire, then at least scale down to the extent so he could, you know, be a better parent than his dad was, yada, yada, yada. But then Jurassic Park sort of, put him back on the blockbuster, you know, King of the Mountain, and then Schindler's List got him the critical acclaim that he had otherwise, you know... It got him that Best Director not got, 
Yeah, exactly. What he'd always been looking for, and then he just came back, you know, basically, you know, better than ever, so to speak. What? You know, he follows this up with, you know, uh, you know, Minority Report. You know, uh, catch me if you can. Saving Private Ryan, Munich. Well, it's funny you I say mean, that, but like, crap. I mean, Sinner's List though, it took it out of him. Like, it really depressed him for a while. That was a thing yeah. too. And that, and there's a giant, there's a four year gap between that and The Lost World. This next yeah. movie, it's a sequel to this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like he takes, um, he takes. I mean, he produces stuff. And he, you know, he's, he's which the Lost there. World didn't didn't he direct a lot of it like like remotely via satellite? Um, I know, I because I remember that that was a thing they had to take direction from like a, a like a monitor from him. I mean, he's talking about his heart wasn't really in the Lost World in the same way, and and he was you know he was doing Amistad at the same time, and he was he was helping to launch DreamWorks, so it's like a number yeah. of things were going on where he's busy, and he like I think what like From Earth to the Moon was happening too, like. Spielberg kept himself busy, that's for sure, for yeah. all this. But then, yeah, like, um, after, I mean, then, yeah, Saving Private Ryan happens, and he comes, you know, and, and it's a lot of just move, move, move after that. Th- that whole brontosaurus scene is fantastic for a number of reasons, because we just saw, like, a bunch of terror from dinosaurs, and it's a nice reminder, like, not all the dinosaurs are the T-Rex. There are cuddly dinosaurs. Yeah. Like, it's a great way to keep the audience, like, oh, yeah, that night was pretty bad, but there are still dinosaurs that are, like, fun to be around. We should keep that in mind. Like, the movie doesn't lose you on that. Um, like today we does, today I, we wouldn't get that right. Today we just no. it'd just be nonstop like you said, Brandon. It'd be you know everything would be the night and it'd be how to survive it. Where this movie gives you a respite and you're able to come back and like regroup and think, oh yeah, okay, dinosaurs are still cool. Like not all of them are evil. <laughs> the short attention span thing. Mm-hmm. There's so much learning in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much science. There's so many seconds. I legitimate. There's so many seconds devoted to Sam Neill's face in this big blockbuster right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, if I recall, the reason you know, if I, you know, I'm going off a of very old memory here, but Spielberg said the reason he directed Lost World is that, well, there's the sh- shot. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I get that now. Um, basically, he said, you know, he always, you know, why is there a sequel to ET? Why is there a sequel to ET? And he figured, you know, that some kids would ask him why there wouldn't be a single Jurassic Park, and he never could give a decent answer because that film wasn't that personal to him. Yada yada yada, and there was really no excuse for him to take away a kid that, you know, to piss, you know, to hurt a kid that wanted to see another Jurassic Park movie. So that was basically why he, you know, said, you know, fuck it, I'll do the Lost World. I I can un- and there wasn't a book yet, right? Like he was like Crichton, get this going, yeah. like do this yeah, right basically. now. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> It was it was the forced you know like the the Hannibal where it's like uh-huh. we need to get that book cranked out we and that just make this up on our own and it all worked out. <laughs> <laughs> to its credit, it did lead to the Hannibal TV series, which does incorporate elements from some of those books, which yes. did work out. Um, it does them way better. Does them way it, better. Yes. Um, well, to be fair, Hannibal the book was basically an extended middle finger to the yep. people that took. You know, Thoughts of Lambs is some kind of Hannibal Lecter's the hero type narrative. Mm-hmm. But nobody got the joke. <laughs> they were all horribly offended and traumatized. Um, they couldn't get and as a result, ending. the movie was very toned down in that respect. So it basically become the very thing that, you know, Thomas Harris was making fun of. Which and, is why I don't like that movie. And because Ridley Scott's sense of humor seems to, like... It's yeah. only every now and then does it seem to get the movie he's making as far as how much humor, how much dark humor to apply to it. That's not one of them. <laughs> like, yeah. It doesn't feel like it's, it doesn't feel like the joke is there. 
I could uh, I, I think you could argue that in Alien Covenant, he gets the joke of this as far as yes. why the humans don't mm-hmm. matter. Um, but but uh, Hannibal, no, that's not that's not the case. Starring the Lost World, Julianne Moore. <laughs> I like Samuel Jackson's confidence. We're like, oh, it worked. I'll just head out into the wild. Don't worry about me. I'll get this going. Yes. <laughs> let me go to the no isolated. Shel- let me go to the isolated shelter on the other side that's across the way from the the Raptors. I can I can make this work again. I'm Samuel Jackson. Nothing bad's gonna happen to me in the mid '90s. I always survive. <laughs> 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 Call my friend Joe Pesci, by the way. Tell him about, tell him what's up. <laughs> Retroactively, this this uh, was his first deep blue sea. Yeah. Retro. Yeah, but that, I mean, yeah, I mean, I know what you're saying. A lot of people don't like this scene, how it looks these days. People say, but people say Jurassic Park is dated, which is ridiculous, and it's a small number of people, I get that. It's snarky people. They point to this scene, and it's like, yeah, all right, whatever. You make a scene of this. You make this work. <laughs> you're right. I, I, I will, 20 I will seconds say of footage ruins the movie. I know. <laughs> I, I've, always, I've always thought that... I'm a bit impressed at the Jurassic Park that the visual effects hold up really well, especially for being early and stuff. But on the 4K Ultra HD, it's, uh, it's yeah. not bad, but it's not well, as it's like, yeah, the wow, C- I mean, the CG is obviously not rendered to be viewed this no, it's way. Not like, it's, not, it's, not, it's not impossible to make it look, unless they, unless he, like, George Lucas did. <laughs> yeah. What I like about this, though, look at the, the actors. Like, there's... And you can see this behind the scenes stuff. It's really clever how they like they have them run on this, then they have to add that later, and then they have to incorporate all the directions that they're looking in, so they have yeah. dinosaurs coming up on them at the same time. It's like there's some. Gr- I mean, <laughs> in its infancy, the effects is just phenomenal here in ways that certain movies, even today, are not. They just don't get it. They don't get how to do it. Well, it's 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 a tool that's not used properly. Yeah, right? exactly. It's a tool to serve the movie, not the other way around. Uh huh. Um, and I do love how you just, the, the T-Rex is almost nonchalantly shows up in the frame in the middle mm-hmm. of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's um, a great, like, this is how dad, this is how dinosaurs are. Like, it's a casual, like, this is what they do. Just like the herd, just like the moving in herds thing at the beginning, except with less violence. Yeah. I liked Tim's like, look at the blood. He's <laughs> like trying to get closer. <laughs> And that he's interested, like, this is the same monster that just, like, terrorized him the night before. Now he's like, let me see how this thing eat this other dinosaur. <laughs> Pirates don't eat the tourists. I love that line. <laughs> there are so many fun lines in this film. Oh, yeah. From oh, everybody, yeah. too. It's not just the Goldblum yeah. show. Like, everyone gets, like, this whole thing with um, Ellie and, um, and Hammond, where he's like, well, you're a... And I'm a. <laughs> he's on a cane. Like, you know, God, Jack... I wish that scene had dated, but it's not. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> well, I mean, this is like the the '90s thing, though. We're full of those like line one-liners in the disaster movie, and. Well, because they had to make sure that everything else was enter- as entertaining as a spectacle. Yeah. Because most of the movie was going to not be spectacle. Um. My thought here, when Muldoon pulls out that shotgun, is like. When I was a kid, I was like, I know how this works because I've seen T2 a bunch of times. You just put the bullets <laughs> in there. <laughs> Those walkie talkies are insanely big, but they look really cool in this movie. <laughs> it's like, yeah, all right. <laughs> 
Look. <laughs> the reaction. Jeff Goldblum and his blueprint blankets. Well, Muldoon's raised his socks. He's ready to go now. I wonder if Spielberg was like, I can get Paul Hogan. And then he said no. It's like, all right, I'll just get an English guy and pretend to be Australian. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, Paul. <laughs> Paul. This is a blockbuster. When was Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles? That's like 2002? Oh, that was a while. Uh, I was going to say 2003. I was going to say three, so we're in the same vicinity. We're in the same vicinity. I've never seen that. How similar is it to Thor Ragnarok? (laughs) Shut up. It's 2001, by the way. Okay. <laughs> when did two come out? Uh, first, uh, na- uh, Memorial 90? Day weekend, nineteen eighty-eight. Yeah, oh, eighty-six. Okay. It's Rambo one. three. You, you mean reverse Crocodile Dundee one? Correct. Because the first one was Crocodile like, Dundee: The Dark World. The first one, first was, one like was a huge. phenomenon. It's like yeah, oh, it's, yeah. it was it's, huge. <laughs> it's one of the you know I. Don't have the spreadsheet in front of me, but it's either leggier at the greatest showman or pretty close to being leggier at the greatest showman. And the second one, I mean, it's a come down, but it's still, you know, it made its money. Yeah, it did well. Yeah. Third one, audiences were not ready. They were not ready for the return of uh, Paul Hogan. <laughs> I love yeah, that. Sam Jackson had run like that. Well, he did get there. I love that beat when she when he says go now and she runs but she immediately runs into that log and then she's like really frustrated by that log like it's just a neat little character moment yeah she's Dundee was huge a September release (laughs) <laughs> like yeah. they made it money in September. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's the biggest September ever adjusted for inflation. It does for inflation. It have to be. I mean, 174 yeah. domestic in 1986. <laughs> America couldn't get enough of Paul Hogan. What? <laughs> the opposite side of the equator has these people. <laughs> <laughs> How much did this movie make? Jurassic Park make before the 3D re-release? 356 domestic, and I want to say. 920-ish worldwide. But it was the it was the second biggest movie in domestic behind E.T., which had done 399 up to that point, including one or two reissues. And then it done it was the biggest movie of all time worldwide. This is the uh, funniest thing Sam Neill had ever done until the Mouth of Madness. <laughs> that little electrocution gag right there. <laughs> this is great. Yes, yeah, so this movie this, was a hit. Another, yeah. Oh, God, we, yes. We've talked about this before, Scott, where it's like this movie was number one for like what, like weeks after weeks after weeks? Like it was still. Oh, uh, no. No, it was not. Not, not, number, not number one, sorry, but like in the top, like in the yes. box office, in theaters, in the for like a year, right? Like it just. Let me, let me put it this way. The movie came out in June of 1993, about 25 years ago, almost exactly. When I went to see Beverly Hills Cop in early June of, of 1994 uh-huh. at a drive in, Jurassic Park was this B movie on the screen next to us after the Flintstones. Hmm. So over a almost a year in theaters, it was still in theaters. 
It didn't come out on uh, VHS until, I think, April of 1990. Uh, uh, when did it come out? I think it was like October 94. That would make sense if it's still in theaters in June. Yeah. June it by was the, the last mega second run hit. By the way, you, you saw Beverly Hills Cop 3 at a drive-in? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Not a good life choice. I mean, you, Hopefully I, no one stuck a banana in your tailpipe while you were parked watching it. Correct. <laughs> I get that reference. You gotta put more. You gotta put more must to it. Too. Look, man, I'm gonna fall for no banana in the tail. <laughs> um. Uh, honestly, I just you know it was you know I was with family and I was I hadn't been to a drive-in in ages. And that was the last time I was ever at one actually. Fun fact: that's the first Beverly Hills Cop movie that I saw. And then I was like, wait a minute, this has a three in the title. There must be others. And at the, you know, I was young at the time, so like that Eddie Murphy's pretty funny. Then I realized, wow, he's really funny in these other Beverly Hills Cop movies. I <laughs> <laughs> remember uh, the the uh, you know Goldblum had Jurassic Park and Independence Day, and then he and Beverly Hills Cop star would uh, collaborate team up collaborate for Holy Man, mm-hmm. which is on HBO a lot recently. I was like, why is Holy Man on HBO? Oh. <laughs> what I love about the sequence mm-hmm. is that you're literally rooting for her to fail. Yes. You're doing yeah. something that theoretically should save the day, but oh shit, you don't want her to do it. There's a lot of movies that have taken this same logic uh, yes. since this movie that I enjoy. Where, and it's very, it's very Hitchcock as far as yeah, you know exactly what's going to happen. It's just oh, yeah, what's going to happen. The, the bomb's right there. Yeah, and it does. I mean, it doesn't. You know, it, it's. And it's all it's all like organic. Like none of it feels manufactured. Yeah. It all makes a level of sense. There's a, there's a contrivance, I guess, if you want to call it that, where he happens to be there as she's doing this. But I mean, it's great suspense work. I mean, that's a mo- that's how you there, make a movie. You have to have a contrivance. There's there's a switch watch quality to how they get into peril, why they get into peril, you know, from A to B to C to D. Again, part of that is just the small scale of this entire of film. You know, you you don't have to worry about trying to save the world, so their 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 actions make a certain grounded sense. Yeah. I remember that. <gasps> yeah, see, this and the audience went nuts. This this didn't get me for some reason when I was a kid. I, I get that it's a jump scare and it's a great one. Yeah. It's a great. It's yeah, a, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a great moment of Spielberg's. Like, I'm gonna have so much fun doing this, and I'm gonna freak oh, the yeah. audience out. Like, it's such a what is it? The boat and Jaws with the head. Like, it's just, yeah. it's that moment, and he just milks it for all it's worth. It's such a and good surprise. And then yeah, then he then he goes again. Yes. For it, and it's a wonderful second drop right there. It's really cool. And we are 104 minutes in this movie. We've just seen a raptor. Yeah. There are about 12 minutes left plus credits. Wait, let me... No, no, no. Correction. Uh, 15 minutes yeah, left. Yeah, there's... Yeah. But yeah, it, there isn't much time left in this movie. You're right. And it is it is neat how much of an impression this whole raptor stuff makes. Mainly because it's all action at this point. Like, the movie, yeah. the movie's just... There's no, no more time for talk at this point. Everything's just happening. And then Muldoon goes down. I wonder where are we supposed to expect anything from Muldoon at this point? I like because it's like he's not a main character; he hasn't done much, but he's you know he seems to know what he's talking about. So I, I guess it's more Spielberg playing with you because it's like you're not expecting this to happen, even though he's already set up the fact that the raptors come at you from the sides. But you're not thinking about that; you're just thinking, is this guy going to shoot a dinosaur in the face right now? 
<laughs> also, I like that Muldoon's logic in all this is they should all be destroyed, and he carries that through to the end. It's like, well, I'm out here. Might as well shoot a raptor if I get the chance to. And then, of course, this line. Clever girl. That is the last death in this film. And it's pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of the more on-screen deaths in the picture, other than, you know, Gennaro getting munched. Um, even that one, to a certain extent, is played, not for comedy, but, you know, it's it's, it's, it's there's a certain wowzers factor. Yeah, because it's like, um, you're seeing... This one is just, yeah. we yeah. like the guy, we want him to live and save the day, and he doesn't. Um, which is a stock character in itself in these kind of movies. Yeah. Um. Now we're going to have the tie-in Happy Meal scene. <laughs> nice little... Someone needs to make the Jurassic Park table candle. That's... <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure it's the, the chic little like you didn't get those at Pier know, One cool, back in the day. <laughs> cool people know what those are. Sam Neill's yeah, great. Just... Sam Neill's great. Oh yeah, movie. like and it's like especially mm -hmm. you know, going from where he was to where he is now and the ways we like calming the kids down and everything. It, it's it's such a terrific like nuanced performance of him slowly it's... evolving. Without you when know. It... I'm up... You know, obviously this is a better film than Jurassic World, but the fact that he goes through a relatively similar character arc to Claire that was not, you know, suffered death by a thousand think pieces amuses me. <laughs> but again, it's, it's first a similar met... arc. No, when, I, when I first met Scott, he uh, he let me know right away that you never go anywhere with Sam Neill. Yes, that is uh, one of the hallmark rules of not dying. If Sam Neill is either invites you to go someplace or is a passenger, stay home. <laughs> if he wants you to go to a dinosaur island, don't. If he wants you to go into a black hole to recover a lost ship, dear God, don't. I mean, it seems uh, like those sentences already don't inspire me too much, though, Scott. If you want to go to a black hole, no thank you. <laughs> Sam Neill's involved, double no thank you. <laughs> well, exactly. It's, 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 the Bermuda Triangle? <laughs> no. You want to go back to the dinosaur park? No. That town in the mouth of madness? No. If he wants to go, you know, boating with you and hang out with your wife or your husband, depending on who you are, no. If you want to go into the bush, no. Even if you do get to meet <laughs> the, the legendary Ricky Baker. Heck, don't even go to uh, Asgard. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, it's a people, and those people mostly look, died. Look what, ha look what <laughs> yeah. happened when he showed up. Yeah, those people exactly. mostly died. This is amazing. Um, this, we talked about the raptors now we're full force raptors and it's like yeah we deliver on the threat of the raptors apparently because we get this mem very memorable sequence here that even Spielberg was like well I can't top that so I might as well just do it again in a couple movies <laughs> yeah. things that piss me off about War of the Worlds The opening doors, that was the tra that was a tra the last the trailer gag. Uh, that was given away. I gotta watch but these you... trailers again. I don't remember the trailers of Jurassic Park. I, re I remember some. I don't remember all of them. Yeah. Um... 
No, but the, the marketing accurately sold this as a blend of gee whiz E.T. Spielberg and, you know, you're going to crap your pants jaws, Spielberg. And that's what the film basically is. I love when the second um, one comes in. That's such a cool shot of like, yeah. know, like making a noise, and then the other, one, and then they're like just fighting with each other. Like it's a, there's so much personality in these dinosaurs that like really makes you like invested in what's going to happen here. And it's it's a compliment that the sequence works so well, despite concerning two characters that you know are not going to get eaten. Um. Well, the tension is just so high because you yeah it's all relatable like you said brandon about the size of these things like they're not you know they're not giant they're not impossibly large monsters they're you know they're tall as he there's taller they're as tall as you like, and yeah and they're 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 a credible threat and i think movie logic goes out the window as far as what you expect for this kind of thing because you're just into the idea that this this thing that could stand upright and is a reasonable amount of size and can fit into a room and can get me might get me Yeah, speaking of these terrorists, I, I completely spaced it on this. I forgot Dean Cundey shot this movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you're here, one of your guys, heroes, man right who here. shot my yeah, man who shot my childhood. Apparently, that's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, the guy. I mean, Up and Down, Back to the Future, of course, Halloween, Escape from New York. Just he's been everywhere, and how he doesn't like work much on huge projects anymore is a bit baffling to me. But oh well. I mean, who doesn't want the man who shot Garfield? <laughs> but he didn't shoot the deputy too. Who who did the indie boot? Is it Trumbull? Is it Douglas Trump? Or no, that's that's two thousand one. What was my thing? It's like it's like a it's a it's like a similar name. To, uh, just look it up. Douglas Lacombe. There we go. Lacombe. <laughs> he did the indie movies. It what I. This movie has so much of the aesthetic of like Spielberg action movies that I enjoy, but it also has that atmosphere that you see in uh, Cundy's like horror shot movies mm -hmm. and whatnot. It's a great blend of things, and I, I, I of the things that complain about is Spielberg. I just, I, I yeah, Kaminsky's great and all, but he's got. I want him to see him like just move around with other people. Like I want to see some more variety in how some of these Spielberg films look these days. Yeah. And it could use the touch of like someone like you know like like a Cundy again, or like I don't even, I don't even I'm not even asking for like a Deacons like you know Deacons is doing his own thing. Spielberg can, he has the pick of litter I'd imagine when he works with people, but he he likes to work with a lot of the same people. Obviously, he has, he's had the same editor Michael Kahn since Close Encounters. But there's so or maybe much find room someone for him. younger that could could you know yeah. fuel him in a new way. There's so much room for him to like uh, what's his name that just did Solo. Um, Okay. Um, um, uh, Whitford, I think. No, uh, it's a B. It's a. Uh, yeah. six. Nope, not solar system. Uh, Bradford Young. There we go. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Like, that's a, that's a guy that I I think the his understanding of atmosphere would gel well with Spielberg. I think that that could play well into one of his movies. That shot of the the we skipped over, but the raptor when like Tim is or when um, Lex is like in the the reflection, that's such a great like the camera placement there is incredible as far as like convincing you that this is gonna happen and then it's like a reflecting shot <laughs> like it's a great little sequence. Yeah, 
This dinosaur really wants to play computer games. <laughs> He's playing Jurassic Park on Sega. That's what he wants to do. So this stuff, uh, this, stuff's they, a, this stuff's a little silly. <laughs> where you have the the, the, the established that she could, could use computers, and now she saved the day at the last second here. Hey, all the kids are super smart in Jurassic Park movies. It's not a it's not a matter of I don't like it. It's more of like it's. I guess at the end of the day, if I have to chalk up reasons why I don't love this movie in the same way I love other Spielberg movies, like to the degree that I do, it's because like I guess the little goofy. Like I guess Scott, you said it best. I guess if Spielberg's more aware of the type of movie he's making it shows in terms of my subjective response to it yeah i mean it, this or, is, or... you know this is a spielberg movie for people that like spielberg movies mm-hmm. you know it's it's uh... it'd be i mean it won't happen now because so many movies come out at the same time and there's so a frequency of so much blockbusters, but I, I wonder if, like, if there's an, in a different world, Ready Player One would have that same effect as far as Spielberg doing Spielberg now for a younger generation what they'd think of it 20 years from now. But then again, they have, you know, 20 different blockbusters that all came out at the same time, so it's like, is it gonna, is it gonna last in the same way? Right. Well, I think also, you know, Ready Player One by, you know, one of the reasons I like it is that it certainly... It's a more self-critical look at his films, mm-hmm. you know, because obviously he was in a very different place 25 years ago, um, and where you know movies like Jurassic Park were the exception, not the rule, to Hollywood output. Um, I love this little gag that the the reflection of the vents is the DNA codes on the raptor. That's such a yeah. That's such a weird touch where it's like. <laughs> There's no way any of that lines up, but it's like, oh, they just decided to do that. Here's like one of the coolest little like horror snaps right here when it gets up and almost bites her yeah. leg off. It's it's such a great held shot where it just lets all that happen. I'm sorry, Scott, what were you saying? <laughs> oh no, I was done. Okay, all right. That's a great bit though. Like the camera just holds there as the whole thing as she recovers, as the raptor recovers, and barely gets her leg out of the way before it gets bitten off. It's fun that the climax is here in this room with the skeleton. Mm-hmm. It was all coming down to this. Yeah, climbing they were, on top of the They were already posed. <laughs> they were already posed for it. And then it all breaks apart. Whee! They, the the raptors really are a menace too. Like they really do a great job of making it this this like constant threat that you just don't want to be involved with. Tim almost gets crushed by something again. It's almost <laughs> like it's almost like you imagine they they talk to each other. Well, they do speak to each other, but like you know, you can just imagine what kind of voices and talks they have. Just... Well, yeah, in Jurassic Park, there's... I know what kind of voices they have because they talk to Alan. Right, that's true. <laughs> that <is> Alan. True. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> no one forgets about that. <laughs> Alan. <laughs> Just it kills me. <laughs> Classic Wolfman's Joe Johnston. I do like the um, the uh, T-Rex A Machina right here, too. This is great stuff. So it's like, oh, this our heroes are in real danger right now. And just out of nowhere, no. the T-Rex shows up and it's like, yes. That's why he's the hero of the movie, guys. Like when uh, you know the predator helps 
and Alien vs. Predator. And, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. it, when Nem- Nemesis turns on uh, Umbrella in Resident well, Evil. Well, it, it, and obviously it Apocalypse. worked at Gatebusters in theaters. Oh, of course. It's, yeah. it's an iconic image. I mean, it's... it's you you have that that character who obviously isn't a hero, but it's a character that people like. People like the T Rex. Well, I think that's they something think cool. I do like that about. Jurassic. There's a reason he's the leader of the Power Rangers. I, yeah. <laughs> I like that about Jurassic World, where it gets that also. It, fi- yeah. it it finds a way to fit. And the fact that the ribbon comes down right here is amazing. That's, yes. such, that's like yeah. that's a, such a like great at like Spielberg's last saying. Like, wait, guys, hold on. I have the perfect way to wrap this scene. Have the have the have the banner come down in front of him as he's roaring. But like I, I like Jurassic it's World. It's the part where people are supposed to stand up and clap. Yeah, uh, and I, I like that Jurassic World's like climax is well, let's just have a kaiju battle at the end of this movie and involve our hero <laughs> the T Rex from the first movie again and have him get in this big epic brawl with the new school dinosaur. And uh, yeah, and there's that all is kind, the of... kind of showmanship mm-hmm. that explains why that movie is good and didn't just make a billion and six just on nostalgia. Yeah, I know exactly. And yeah. it's the, and it hits the say it hits the theme that you're talking about too as far as like the old versus the new like it, it all works yeah it it works in a self reflexive organic way like it, it it's it knows what it's doing and it also it also adds it's almost to the movie. like it's a good movie I know right uh, now in the book they apparently drop a bunch of dynamite on the island after this and what uh, the, the this is the end plays over it and. Marlon Brando yeah. slowly whispers the horror. The yes. Horror. Um, and my uh, Alice and my daughter, who you all know, I think. Mm-hmm. Have you met? No. Um, she she was very annoyed that they didn't nuke the island afterwards because that seemed to be the most logical thing to do. <laughs> um, nuke from right. orbit. Well, I, I, I assume that the all the trailers for Fallen Kingdom are just a giant mislead, and they do nuke the island, and the whole movie's like what I want it to be about, which is just a giant courtroom case of InGen versus the population that suffered at the hands of dinosaurs. <laughs> yes. Oh. I... The... <laughs> The close, there's so much good here. Like I said, and it's like this simple closing shot of just like Alan just like with the kids looking at a bird. It's such a and the and well, William's theme is so affecting. Well, it, it ends on a character note. Uh huh. And it, it pays off his character. It pays off the whole dinosaurs evolved from birds. Yada yada yada. And yeah, there's not even dialogue for the last like four minutes. Like the last thing it yeah. says, is, like I'm decided not to endorse your park. Me too. That's it. That's the last thing people say to each other yeah. in this movie. Everyone's just gone. They're silent on the helicopter. Uh, oh, there's there's beloved producer Kathleen Kennedy's name coming up there. Clearly, she has no idea what the hell she's doing. Uh huh. I mean, the Sixth Sense was also terrible. <laughs> What's the billing order on this? We got Sam Neill order and Jeff Goldblum next. It's got to be Goldblum. What's after that? Yep. Is it, and is, is, Richard Attenborough is, is that, as John Hammond. You guys are just a couple seconds and ahead Bob of me. Bob Peck. <laughs> Martin Ferrero. And so it's got to be Sam Jackson or, or B, is it B.D. Wong. It's B.D. Wong. B.D. Wong got ahead of Jackson. Look at that. Jackson and Wayne Knight share credit. Oh, he's a oh, big. Oh, that's interesting. Someone didn't, hit their, <laughs> someone didn't hit their contracts right on that one. B.D. Wong knew what he was doing, apparently. He had that uh, Father of the Bride money to be like, guys, I know what I'm doing. Right. 
Who was he in that? I haven't seen that movie in 25 years. He's Martin years. Short's, like, like assistant in that movie. Oh, that's right. Michael Kahn! I'm sure that character's aged well, if I recall. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, his movies are still more watchable than other Steve Martin movies from the last 15 years. So you can... And it's true. I mean, that, now, it's no bringing down the house, yeah. but... Oh, boy. Do I want to talk about characters that don't, don't age well? Betty White it, <laughs> was never good to begin with in that movie. Well, that, that, yeah, that, that's one of those films that the young kids will try to go, boy, this film's aged poorly. Like, yeah, people were pissed about that film when it came out. Yeah, at the same time, though, you're going to see the, you know, like 16 years ago, Bringing Down the House came out. Where yeah. were you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seeing something yeah, that else. Milestone Seeing Shanghai year. Nights for a third time. <laughs> yeah. Uh. And still weeping about how badly Daredevil turned out. Look at the simpler time of credits where you can have two columns right there and they're all in orange. And, the letters. and they're like cooking, man. Those, those things are speeding. And the letters are fairly big. <laughs> yeah. And I, you, guys, you don't have the computer effect people that takes a mile long. I know a thing or two about font size in these things. Dude, I've talked about it a lot lately on the podcast, so it's, it's showing here. <laughs> Well, yeah, that was Jurassic Park. Still holds up. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna watch World soon too. Because I haven't watched World that much, and I like watching World for the the, the three times I've seen it in full. Mm. But anything anything else on this movie that we can think of? I'm trying to think. I think we haven't gone over. Well, I just think that, you know, one of the quote-unquote issues is that this was a time when a movie like this was by itself an event. I mean, the other films that came out this summer, you know, Last Last Action Action Hero Hero was basically an action movie. Uh, The Firm was a thriller for adults. It was two and a half hours long and R-rated. The Line of Fire, basically, that was my favorite movie this summer, by the way, The Line of Fire. Um, And The Fugitive, which was just a really, really good action thriller. Clint Eastwood versus Jigsaw. Wait, yeah. the, fu- the Fugitive wasn't yeah. your favorite? You, in the Line of Fire is your pick for the summer? Yeah. Oh, wow. You, I love it. You're big in the fire. Okay. I haven't watched that movie in a while. i got to watch that again. I mean, The Fugitive is great. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, so yeah, I mean, you know, something like Jurassic Park really did stand out in the crowd in a very real way. Um, By the way, I, I just remember, but I was trying to think of my, my, my favorite line in the Line of Fire. It's, it's when... Uh, Clint Eastwood's like, you have a rendezvous with my ass, motherfucker. It's like, Clint Eastwood just said motherfucker in a movie. My favorite line is where he sort of offhandedly says, that's not going to happen. Because I knew that they had tried to make that into a catchphrase, but test screening audiences laughed at it. So they reshot that scene and made it more subtle. Basically, we're going to do an In the Liar, in the Line of Fire commentary at some point, because that is a solid movie. I would like an excuse to watch that again. Yeah, yeah I haven't watched that in a while. I like that one. Remember when? Uh, um, I don't know if I like it more than the a fugitive, but yeah. Remember when Dylan McDermott gets like horribly tortured throughout that movie? <laughs> yes. Anyway, this is the time. This is that <laughs> age where the cast credits come up almost last in the credits. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, they were first introduced at the top, and then they're coming back. Now. You get the names, yeah, but then you get like, who did they play though? <laughs> who did they play? Oh, and a, who were the extras? This is the summer. Of Special Venice. thanks to George Lucas. This is the summer of uh, Dennis the Menace. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. And weakened at Bernie's too. The Dinosaur Society. Cliffhanger, Dave, Hot Shots Part 2. Do you guys remember when we were all doing the K Milargo Chaparita that summer? The, <laughs> what? The hit, song, the hit song from the uh, Jurassic, Jurassic Park, Park soundtrack? soundtrack? Yeah, the K Milargo. Oh, Free, Free Willy. Free Willy was that, you know, that summer. Which was big for, you know. Yeah. Uh, Warner Brothers knew Only they had a hit with that Jordan. one. When you get Michael Jackson to do it. You get Michael Jackson to do a song, you know, you're good. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm sure that you know they probably double featured that with Poetic Justice because you get both Jacksons in one you know one sitting. Yes. Hmm. Um, huh. Cliffhanger. Sleepless in Seattle. Rising Sun. Oh, we're Robin or Hood, or of Poetic course, Willy. too. The stupid Robin Hood movie came out. Also yes. So <laughs> Even at 13. You, I you want to talk about songs? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the that was the song of the summer. I mean, as good as Roger Rees is in that movie. I mean, frankly, all the actors are fine. It's just not a good film. Jason Goes to Hell, the uh, final chapter. <laughs> yeah. It was and final. It was the final Friday, yeah. Or final Friday, sorry. What did I say? They already did the final chapter like five entries before that one. Yeah, that made sense. <laughs> all right. Well, I think we've talked extensively about Jurassic Park since the movie officially ended. Um, this has been a lot of fun. I've been happy to go over this movie with you guys. Uh, let's wrap things up here by going over where we can find more of your guys' work. Brandon Peters, where can people, where can people find more of you online? Uh, Colt Cinema Cavalcade, coltcinemacavalcade.com. Uh, every social media, it's usually uh, CC Cavalcade. Uh, we're currently in the middle of June Don Baker month, and friend of the show Jim Dietz is on with us for that month. We've done Joysticks, and our next one's uh, Wacko. Uh, they're both great on Clark films. And we also have a YouTube page, which you should check out, uh, where we're doing uh, riffs. And there should be a new one coming relatively soon. I don't know when this recording drops, but uh, check that out um, and subscribe. Because we'd really like you to do that. Would Congo qualify for a June Don Baker entry? Um, <laughs> maybe down the line. Okay. Maybe, but Aaron, you were actually we on our last episode. I realized you were on unintentionally the first June Don Baker Mars Attacks. Uh, Mars Attacks, which yeah. was in June. There you go. Before we made a month of it. So, oh, I congrats. Was, I was a, I was a proto June Don Baker guest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, uh, Scott Mendelson. Where, where can people find more of you? Uh, Google Forbes Ticket Booth Scott Mendelson. All right. Forbes. Forbes.com. You can find me at Aaron's PS4 on Twitter. I'm writing at We Live Entertainment and WhySoBlue.com. You can find all the other episodes of this podcast on iTunes and Audioboom. You can email us at at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can find all our stuff everywhere. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Scott and Brandon, for joining me for this Jurassic Park commentary. It's a pleasure. Yeah. And definitely. yeah, that's gonna do it. I look, f- I, I'm look, I look forward to um, Fallen Kingdom. I, I like these. Di- I, I like dinosaurs. Yep. I, I like world. I, I look forward to whatever they've got going on in this next one, which apparently has volcanoes and haunted houses, so I don't know what to think. But um, we'll see when that happens. It's only a couple weeks from the time of this recording. So until then, until we get to more Jurassic fun in Jurassic 2, that's going to do it. So until next time, so long and goodbye.